Good day, good evening, good night, and good morning, and good afternoon. I hope I didn't miss any time. Welcome to another special episode of Real Tennis Fan. I have been waiting for this episode since 2018. It's a long it's time. It's a very long time. I've li- I've saved myself from through a pandemic. Oh. For this episode, you know, no I pressure. remember when the first um, right? Black Panther came out. I think O had said something along the line. I, I just need to live. I mean, Donald Trump could fuck up this country. <laughs> just only fuck up this Alex country Trump. until Black Panther comes out. After that, he can do whatever the fuck he wants to do. Okay, we just need to make it through to 10, 2018. Okay. <laughs> And <laughs> we did, and now we we're here in 2022 for Wakanda Black Panther Wakanda Forever Part Two. And of course, we will be remiss if Real Tennis fans, the Blackity Blackest podcast, <laughs> didn't come and address you all about it. And I know you all been waiting for this, and we couldn't delay any longer. So before I go any further, let me introduce. Not only my co-hostesses, but the mostesses. I have two special guests who are bringing back the gang. And if a certain Uber driver can get himself together, <laughs> he will be here later on for a sixth person. So there will be six black persons in one place. So we're gonna, a we're gonna we're gonna trade Janina for that one. You cut it out. <laughs> Janina might tap out, but something tells me she won't tap out. I don't but think anyway, so let me start with Andre from Soli Tennis Travel. How are you doing, girl? I am doing very well, and I'm not traveling. And there's no tennis going on, right? Because what kind of forever is happening? Where can you go? Why would you even decide to leave to go in about this movie theater? That's the no. only place we need to be. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to be here. Very excited to hear what you all thought. I know, and we have withheld seeing. Oh, every, that's true. Everything. Yeah, and we have all seen the movie. Well, exception of Janina. An Uber driver. We've all seen it well over a week ago. So um, I saw it over a week ago. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we have Janina from Soli. No, Janina from no. Far in Ohio. What's going yeah. on, girl? Hello. Kind of forever. Oh, uh, that was sound enthusiastic, girl. Mm. That's a little Wahhabi-ish for me. I don't like it. I don't like it. Boot her. Boot her. <laughs> Love it. And we have Jasmine from Geeks on Leash. She has allowed herself to be siphoned away from, you know, her regular podcast. I know she has a podcast about this movie. But you can go listen to it, and I assure you that she will be much better on this side of the. Oh my god! That's straight up shady. <laughs> I know she saved some of her juicy tips. I know it's her podcast and everything, but she was like, "I'm waiting to be amongst my people." That is that is very true. That is that is definitely sentiment that I had. I'm not even gonna lie about that. But also, like. I'm super excited to talk about Talokan. So, Liki oh, Talokan. Oh, Lord. Look at her. She got it ready. She got it she got ready. ready. Whip that out. And we have Olu Train is with us today. And he got T'Challa in his <laughs> little box here. Oh. Recap going on. No, oh. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Yes. No. <laughs> Starting with the controversial take. <laughs> Hi everyone. Hope everyone's doing well. Well, oh, I see. You're giving us a church choir boy. 
talk. We need to hear that bass. You need to get to the mic. We need to hear you say hello, everyone. <laughs> now you're talking like hello, everyone. Oh, do you not hear me well? No, no. This is not no. why we. Got no, it's just people. that you sound like the gingerbread man from Shrek. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, the reason shit. why we got black people and it's all together, this many black people, is so that people we can be heard. Come on now, sir. Try again. You are not sounding like the the the, the gang that got kicked I, out of a tennis tournament. <laughs> exactly. Pump <laughs> no, up the volume, dude. Yeah. One sec. One sec. One sec. Ooh, look at that! Love it. That is a really nice. Test him um, again. It is a really nice T'Challa um, avatar, though. Yeah, he has really nice pecs. Yeah, that's a really nice one. <clears throat> Tenno Schwerta has really nice pecs too. I'm just saying, throwing that. Out there. <laughs> Listen, if we if we wind up in Mexico for tennis again, I might get in trouble if I spot him. I'm just hey. saying, Atuma was giving it. Oh yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Atuma. Mm-hmm. Atuma, yes. Ooh, look at you. Okay. All right. You like you like and him look, tall and fleshy. And, and, and I'm and all I'm just saying is that Namora, she looks yes. like she's gonna put you down on the ground. She's a like, badass. She was definitely my like, favorite. She looks like <laughs> like as I quote from this old man had said one time, you don't fuck her, she fucks you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I never Grandpa said that to me once. He was recounting a story. <laughs> She looked like she was ready. You know, not to give it, but I too. I mean, Namora looked like. Oh, Listen, I saw this. Man. I saw this video. A little. Uh, it was like an Entertainment Weekly thing with a roundtable, and Ryan Coogler was saying that they picked uh, Mabel to play Namora because her audition tape. She like had this sequence of her riding a horse through a river, and he was like. <laughs> We didn't watch anything after that. We were like, yes, her. She's the one. Without a saddle. She did that without a saddle. Love it for her. Look at that. I wanted this movie. I'm going to be in this movie. She saw it for herself. And I was really happy for her. I mean, Without speaking English, right? Yeah, she doesn't speak very much English. Yeah. Because she said she had to learn English. And plus she had to go back brush up on Maya Tech. So she was like, <laughs> and plus she had to train you mm-hmm. know, the physical training so it was a lot oh can we hear you now just to make sure we are all fine yes 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 i'm here okay that's a little bit better but you know that'll do you know you know that'll do. Do. and of course there is me real <laughs> all excited but i have said too much so let us go with i don't want to start with just you know like you know, like, do you like the movie? Do you not like the movie? Because that goes without saying, Janina. Well, Janina. My favorite Janina. Let me just say, no, no. I would, I would start off by saying that this movie was both surprising, was both a brilliant movie. I thought, I thought it was, it was very satisfying. It was the first time in a long time I felt like. $15 was not enough money that I felt that all of my $15 was well spent. And I felt I got more than they got from me. And right. there was a lot visually, you know, like, and you know, I was, Janina, I was honing on the text. You know, I was all on the script. You know what I mean? I was like watching her, everything. It was really, I would have to say that 
this was not just a superhero movie. This was an amazing movie. And it was a good movie in terms of a great filmmaking. Let me put it this way. And I know Oscar's going to come out their face and say all kind of bullshit next week and whatever the case may be. But this movie deserves all of the flowers. Whether they will get the flowers and get to take home the, the, the actual statuettes and whatever. But this movie deserves to be nominated for all the categories and whatever. Whether they would be brave enough to give them any of the real awards, it's another story. But if they do not, it just shows you just like a really, really hard thing. But it doesn't matter because all of those people are taking home checks. And that's all I'm concerned about. Don't give me the statue. Just give me some check. I thought it was a brilliant, brilliant. I saw great filmmaking in the movie theater. And I will turn it over to you all to say your piece and what you felt. Before we get into like the real meat of what you know we want to talk about. Yeah, uh, for me, I really think that, you know, the production team had such a monumental task of trying to navigate this movie and all of its needs and desires in terms of its own cast and its own kind of storytelling, but the needs and desires of the, the fans and the community at large. So for them to land the plane this cleanly uh, was, was bravo and hats off to them, for sure. I would definitely agree that it was not a superhero movie. Um, and I think kind of tapering your expectations before going into it and not expecting it to be a superhero film kind of helps. But I really thought that the way this movie handled grief and mourning was so well done and it was so universal. <clears throat> and it was like the thread that just kind of went through the whole film because you've got all of Wakanda, you know, mourning the loss of their king. And then you've got Namor, who, even though he's like 600 years old, he still feels some type of way about the death of his mother. Um, and the sort of role that the surface world kind of played in him putting her to rest. And I just think it's, it was such an interesting way that they presented grief in this film. And another thing that I was surprised about was that Marvel let it happen. Like we all said the same thing when the first Black Panther came out, like Marvel handed the reins to the right people. And if you give the right people the opportunity to tell their own stories, they're going to be able to do it so much better than just some white guy in a boardroom. And I think that this is really um, like another tentpole for them. And I think if, if we hadn't had the first Black Panther, in 2018, we never would have had an opportunity to see Moon Knight or Miss Marvel or, you know, them introducing Talokan. I think that all of that happened because they finally were just like, these are the stories that we want to tell. Who, who, who is best suited to tell these stories? And I think it just kind of is a showcase to say, like, we did this and we did this well because we let you do it your way. So I think um, it's interesting. I it's interesting that you said that, Jasmine, because I think um, for me, when I was watching it, there were so many conflicting emotions that I had watching it. There was a lot of um, adjustment I felt I was doing to be in the movie, 
Um, partially because I think the movie actually confronts the challenge of actually making uh, an imagined world where Black people are untouched by a certain, their histories, right? Mm -hmm. So I think at some point in time, the movie actually has to confront that just in terms of narrative structure, how you're going to tell this tale, what necessarily needs to happen because of just the world that we normally see Black people exist in. So I thought that that was a real challenge when I was watching it. My sister and I were talking about how we felt watching the underwater section and how difficult it was to adjust because they were floating all the time. You know what I mean? At some point in time, you just kept wanting like a grounding. And so I also felt like the movie was taking chances in terms of storytelling, which is made, which was initially for me, I'll be real frank, kind of uncomfortable to sit with. And was like, oh, I'm used to a sort of narrative structure that plays out this way. I'm used to these things happening and it wasn't happening in that way. And I had to kind of mentally adjust. Um, the grief thing was interesting for me too, only in the sense that, um, it permeated the story and it wasn't a thing where I'm going to let a really bad thing happen in this first moment. The character is going to be touched by it for a moment and then it's not going to feel like it's resonant, but it was actually resonant throughout. And I thought that that was, um, that's an interesting way for um, the story to play out. Um, but I wasn't really thinking about Chadwick the whole time. I was mostly just thinking about the the world that was created and the loss that the characters on the screen were feeling mm -hmm. um, so i think that was what was happening for me as i was watching it i was adjusting to storytelling i was adjusting to wait where's gravity here <laughs> all of those little um signals of comfort i just couldn't find and so it was a really um it was a really distressing some in some ways movies to, movie to watch too so I'm curious to unpack that and what was going on for myself after hearing what you all think and, and hearing more Janina so it's no secret that I do not approach movie the same way that you guys do um, I want to be entertained that's it and I was for sure um, I it took me a while compared to you guys to get there to see it and I'm thinking holy shit this runtime is long and it didn't feel that long so that was good um I I liked it I did not love it and the reasons that I didn't love it didn't have anything to do with the actual story itself. I thought the story was great. Um, I really appreciated how they handled um, death in in the morning. I mean that, and it was nice, Andrine, to see that it carried throughout the movie and it wasn't just a piece at the beginning and then done. I thought that was handled really, really well. Um, I did not, I, I heard people talk about it and they're like, oh my God, I was sobbing. I didn't cry. Um, it just uh, was, um, it was nice. I mean, it was, it was nice. It was nice that it was nice that it was handled and it was nice that it wasn't ignored. Um, the pieces that I didn't, the reason why I didn't love it as opposed to just liking it really were actually the production of the movie. Um, I felt like some things were um, not so well done, actually. I thought some of the action sequences looked really fake. 
And I'm not used to seeing that in a Marvel movie. And in the moment, watching it, I'm thinking, this is one of the biggest budgets that exists in the world for a film. And why do I feel like this just looks so unrealistic? I didn't feel like that with the action sequences in Black Panther 1. Um, and I'm like, HBO can put people on dragons and make it look like it's really happening. Why does this look like this? And I was really bothered. That took me out of my viewing experience at times. Um, and I thought some of it was a little bit cheesy. I hated the the clam thing with the hands. That really bothered me. I'm like, we've got the... We've got the fist crossing over the chest for Wakanda forever. Like, does everybody have to have a thing? And it's not do, clams. It's not listen, It's not a fish thing. It's not I don't know thing. what the fuck it was. It, it actually was, relates. <laughs> it, it goes back to... I hated it. I fucking hated it. It's actually goes, from Mayan history. Mesoamerican history. Exactly. Yeah. And maybe most that's the, why I didn't get it, but I was Most like, of the hieroglyphics that they have in the painting have a lot of the figures making that hand gesture. Okay, fair enough. I mean, I didn't know that, and I thought it was cheesy as all hell. Like, everybody doesn't need a thing. And this one thing seems really blah to me and dumb. (laughs) I think think it became fish thing because I think people associated because... Well, Nemo's it looks like a clown opening up. M- I mean, mouth, right. He's in a shark. So like a, it looks like a shark um, jaws. But um, it was yeah, actually really to my So, yeah. you know, I mean, I did enjoy it. I was entertained. I just, I didn't, I didn't love it. I, I when I um, watched the first one, like, I was feeling some type of way. I was feeling pumped up and good and it was fun and I loved every bit about it. I really didn't have any complaints. In this one, I'm like, eh, I don't know. Okay, yeah. I mean, I liked it, but... And I found myself with lots of buts as I was going through it, so... Um, okay. Let's... Let me just... Let's just deal with the beast and um, the thing. It's the idea of grief. And so I decided to rewatch the first Black Panther because, you know, for somehow I was like approaching this movie. I had been like ignoring, not ignoring, refusing to actually watch the first one because I was like, I don't want anything to spoil my, you know, let me just go fresh and whatever. But then I think most people have forgotten. I didn't realize that the first Black Panther was also dealing with grief. And was also dealing with that. The movie starts off basically with the aftermath of King Tashaka dying. And the situation, um, the repercussion of that. Killmonger, the main um, the villain of this thing, he was dealing with his grief that he had to let smolder and consume him. And was leading his action. I think what was different this time around was that we were seeing a ritual around someone dying. And I think in some ways, I think that was what set the tone different from this movie. Is that we didn't see Queen Ramonda mourning her husband. Her husband had died and it was like... I don't think that's it at all, Reels. No, no, but I'm simply saying, and, and then you didn't have the grounding of a the typical hero stance, right? Like typically we know who the hero is. The 
a super action movie is a Superman, there is an Aquaman, there is a Miss Marvel. There is that person in front of you, right? That the hero heroine that you are following along. And this movie didn't have that. And this movie starts out with a funeral, basically, and which I thought was beautiful. And in post-interviews, I think all of the characters have said, and I think this is something we may not understand because we were not these people's co-workers, was how much Chadwick Boseman meant to Black Panther as a production, as a workplace, that he was their grounding and their center and everything, more so than Ryan Coogler. And Ryan Coogler speak of, spoke about the fact that in discussing this new movie, he and Chadwick had this conversation. Chadwick Boseman died and never told them that he was even sick, which is what they mentioned in this movie too. And then that whole thing, just like, oop, this man has died 43. No one was looking for a 43-year-old to die, even though COVID was rampant, right? No one expected, you know, and which was not sort of an odd thing, right? Death was happening all the time around us and because he died in the middle of the pandemic, basically. And this thing happened. And I thought it was interesting that these people decided to do, which is something I don't think we've ever seen in any kind of movie where people literally did a send up and restructured a whole thing to celebrate one person character life. They didn't even do the fake nonsense of creating a fake CGI T'Challa. They didn't even do that. They respected the whole embodiment and whoever he was as a person, as a character in this and dealt with and worked around that whole situation. And, and don't you think that's why it felt different because it was real? To me, well, that's why it felt different. It's absolutely, not that we didn't. It's not that we didn't experience death in in Black Panther. It's that this was real. This was something that was being acknowledged on screen, but translates directly into real life. These people. This was their coworker. There was the, his friend, and as an audience, you feel a connection to this, and that's why it feels different. I don't think it really has. Well, I, to I, do I well, with... I expected it to be different, but uh, but interesting, you should say that, right? Because superhero movies are always about that. Someone dies every single yeah. time. but I think, and they, that, I and mean, they don't to... deal with that with the death that is no. I mean, that is I think, but I think to Janina's point, though that the fact that it was a real death forces the movie to actually have to deal with it oh, in right. a different okay, way, good. right? I mean, because as you were saying, the first one is about grief. It is about loss, but it is a it is about grief and loss the way we're used to seeing movies be about grief and loss. Like the loss of a person is supposed to motivate the character to move from point A to B to C to D, whatever, right? right? But because it's shared, because we are also sharing in the grief, then the grief is layered onto the movie. And we, I think what was a stunning about it is that the movie chose to interact with the death of the character throughout. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's what's unusual. Yeah. And in some ways really humane because in a weird way, the, and I think it's because of who Kugler is and because of, I think to your point, the grounding that Chadwick had for this, the cast that they could not ignore it. They weren't going to, it's all, you know whose speech says it? The speech that says it is um, is Lupita's speech. She says it in the movie. She's like, I couldn't pretend right. that I hadn't been changed, right? Which is what Hollywood movies do. Like, you have a major accident on set. They put a little note in the front. Exactly. But, but nothing changes in the, the sense footage. of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> the footage. <laughs> 
I mean, like, which I, adds I, to, I think, the layers of the storytelling and makes you ask the question about who gets to tell our stories and what does that actually mean, right? Because if you remember, we were having a different experience of Black Panther one, right? People were having this joyful experience in the theater, all, of, and so we had to acknowledge that it was both a movie as well as an event. And I think having a filmmaker like Kugler to take it on and then confront it and actually make it a part of the story, I think, I think they were really probably the only ones who would have done that. But this is, but I felt that for me, stop. this movie was, this was also a movie and an event, because here are some people who couldn't mourn this man, who couldn't have a funeral for this man, and they did it on screen, and we couldn't be part of it because remember. Typically, a big actor dies, we would have a public viewing or some public, you know, we couldn't do any of that because we were in COVID. And he was almost deliberately private about the whole matter. You remember when he, I think when he, I don't know if he was going to tell people, when he made a public viewing, when he was really ill during the pandemic, he was ridiculed by, you know, by some people. Like no one even considered, you know, why is this dude looking like that, whatever the case may be. So I don't know if that may have changed how he approached the situation. But everyone, I think everyone who gave an interview who knew him um, said, I think um, Mbaku said that, you know, his sister told him that, you know, Chadwick Boseman died. And he said, who Chad are we talking about? Like, <laughs> not Chadwick Boseman. And, you know, it was a shock to them. So I felt that I was going to a movie and I was at a funeral. Um, it was It was stunning. I mean, I, I one of the interesting things is that I felt, you know, this is when work really likes you. And when work said, this is the first workplace that said, we're a family and they actually meant it. And forever. And I'd be brilliant. Let me ask, let's ask, let's ask um, O and Jasmine. Did you feel like that's what was happening on the screen? Yeah, for me, it was definitely a movie and an event, but more so, I would say it's an experience, you know. The movie was definitely, you could tell, was helping not only the cast as they were playing their characters, but the audience as me watching it uh, kind of process the mourning and the grief of not only losing uh, T'Challa as a character, but Chadwick Boseman as a person as, and as a, uh, a person that had such an impact uh, on their set, you know, as the person that was the, the top. Uh, billing uh, lead. So for me, it, throughout the movie, I, I, I'm not saying I would was always constantly thinking about T'Challa, but it was just more of, you know, it, whenever they kind of referenced it, it, it just came, it came back to the surface. And it's just like dealing with those emotions, both at the beginning and at the end, uh, kind of, you know, book ended a very, very kind of personal experience. It's seeing Shuri as she, she has lost her brother and now she has to take on this mantle and that she's resident to, you know, resident to, to take it on. And so for me, it was, it's, it's an experience. And so I, it wasn't the blockbuster, you know, hip, hip, hooray type of movie, but it was, it, it, it was just as kind of monumental and, and impactful, even more so to me than you know, all of the other kind of type of Marvel movies that we've seen over the years. I, I think for me, it was more of, yes, they're honoring Chadwick, but I think at the same time, it was very much a, 
but the world goes on and things happen and you have no control over it. And it's the same, it's the same kind of thing that happened in the first film or actually happened in civil war when, you know, T'Chaka is killed by a bomb. Like no one knew that that was going to happen. No one saw that coming. Um, so it's, it's all the same elements, like Andrew mentioned before. It's the same elements, but it feels different this time because they're actually honoring a real death in conjunction with a fictional death. Um, but it's it's definitely a testament to we have to go on. Like we we have to push forward. We have to keep doing things. And if he has to be the reason that you do that, then that can be what pushes the ball and starts the ball rolling down the hill. But eventually you have to step into it and do it for yourself. Um, and so I think not only is it is it about grief and processing grief, but it's also about moving forward in spite of grief. I'm curious, did you all feel that there was something new about, I, I just, I guess we've been talking about our own interactions with it, both in terms of the story and in terms of the direction. And I know Janina mentioned some problems with kind of the construction. What do you think that Ryan Coogler as a director brings to this Marvel space that you think is unlike what anyone else would have done? Because I think Jasmine, you hinted at that, at that. So I'm curious. I think he brings a sense of humanity that the other directors don't. I think a lot of the other directors for these are looking at the characters that they have, the bank of characters that they have to work with as a property. How do I do right by this property? How do I make sure that I am doing justice for this property that is in my hands? Whereas I think when Ryan Coogler is doing what he does, he looks at people that are part of the production, not just the production itself as one entity. And I think being able to kind of build the sort of chemistry that this cast specifically has is what makes the difference because you have other films like um i would even though they're my least favorite i would say the the films that kind of come closest to the chemistry that the cast of black panther has would be the guardians of the galaxy films and i think that is because james gunn brings a different type of energy to his film sets than some of these other directors do like i think if you look at all 25 movies within the MCU as they stand right now, the Black Panther franchise and the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise are going to be the two that kind of stick out the most. And I think the last two Thor films, when they switched from Kenneth Branagh and they brought in Taika Waititi, I think Taika does a much better job of pulling something extra out of his cast than what Kenneth Branagh did because Thor The Dark World is by and far, like the worst of all of the Marvel films. I don't think there will ever be a Marvel film to come out that will be worse than Thor The Dark World. Um, but I think that that is what makes those directors specifically so different from everyone else is they they pull something else out of their cast that these other directors don't. And so they build this chemistry on set that you don't have with these other Marvel films. And because the actors are so into what they are doing, they're doing a better job presenting it forward to the audience than we get in some of the other films. Yeah, it feels like other movies are just cast playing characters and, you know, right. servicing whatever the story of their movies are. Whereas right, and they're not bad. Like, it's not like they're bad actors. Right. They're, they're doing a good job, but they don't have that full cast set chemistry, you know? Yeah, 
but for the Black Panther franchise and even with the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, franchise, as you said, is those casts become like a company or a, a repertory type of type of facility where it's just you can tell that they're feeding off each other creatively mm-hmm. rather than just hey, I'm here to, to cash this check and, and and play my role and and get back to my trailer kind of thing. But but you that's what I think is sort of interesting about the whole Black Panther experience and you speak of the the personality of the directors is that what I think Ryan Coogler does is that we have hired exceptional um, talent. There is a um, I remember there was a Broadway show some years ago with a bunch of black people in it, um, Shuffle Along, and the director George C. Wolf said, "I am at work with a bunch of." overachieving black people right and you know like and he's able to pull this level of like excellence from these people and i think it's the same thing with brian coogler we have amazing talent i mean like these people were doing excellent work and capable of doing excellent work and he trusts his characters he trusts the people in front of this cast and the people behind the screen also to deliver content and he had a really good script and he trusts that his cast can deliver on this script, which is what I always felt was impressive about both the Black Panther and this one, was that someone finally decided to say, we have all the elements to make a movie. Why not make a real movie? Why not <clears throat> not just blow shit up on screen and let <laughs> just do magic and whatever? Because that thing will be taken care of. But while we have real actors in front of us, let them actually act. And I think he trusts them and gives them a story. And they delivered. They delivered beyond both in the Black Panther and in this one, beyond anyone's wildest dream. Because when we were like, my God, what did we just experience? So for me, I, you know, that was what I was, that's what I think he's able to do. I think Ryan Coogler trusts his cast, know what he's capable and know what he wants to do. Because to a certain extent, and Jasmine, you can correct me if I'm wrong, much of this in-depth work are like character building and characterization is found within the comics themselves he's not basically trying to recreate something magical you know what i'm saying like the characters a lot of superheroes and characters go through a lot of bullshit a lot of shit and heavy stuff and are motivated by real what is in their world real life situation so i was happy that he just decided to I think whereas other Marvel movies just like let's get you know blonde guy on screen and let him just smash stuff and run around and like yeah well, I I'm gonna push back on that because I think if I remember correctly that was what Robert Downey Jr. brought to the to the space right it was a sense that I'm gonna put an actor on screen and I'm gonna come up with a fully realized storytelling mechanism yes yeah, some of them falter in the middle but if I remember from my first viewing of um, Iron Man I think that that's what was that was the, um, I think that's what the expectation was, right? Let's create a, a whole entire new universe of um, action movies where the lead could be somebody like a Robert Downey Jr., which, by the way, at the time was a risk, right? Because he was known more as an actor's actor, no? And a ridiculous, like, recovering drug addict. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, was, that was one hell of a comeback story for him, for sure. <laughs> but but that being said, that is exactly why Robert Downey Jr. was the absolute perfect person to play Tony Stark, because in the comics, Tony Stark is a raging alcoholic. His alcoholism is a big, big part 
of the Tony Stark character in the comics as well. And I think one of the things with Robert Downey Jr. specifically, the very beginning, he used to get really upset if people would ask him about his real life drug problems. Um, and at the same time, like on the one hand, yes, I can see that that's none of your business. Like don't bring the personal into it. But at the same time, like those same issues affect the character that you're playing. So you can't tell me that you're not pulling from your own real life at that point when your character is going through the same shit that you went through. So I think that he is, he is definitely an exception and he was the perfect way to start off this universe, but you don't get that same. I love Chris Evans. I really do. I think Chris Evans is a great Captain America, but at the same time, I think everybody that has had their hands on a Captain America film has their own idea of what Captain America is. And that is what they are trying to present to everyone else. Whereas you have, the characters like when Taika took over for Thor, they leaned into Chris Hemsworth's comedic timing so much better than the first two Thor films. And it made the entire character of Thor more likable because the director could tell that Chris could bring a better performance if they would let more Chris into Thor. Hmm. If you see what I'm saying. And what did they do when it got to Endgame or whatever the other Infinity War was that, you know, so he had lost an eye, character development, and he just like, oh, I found a spare eye, plop it back in. That whole <laughs> shit was just man. So I think to, to your point, Andrean, and to, to Jasmine's point, yeah, Robert Downey Jr. was great and exceptional in Iron Man, which is, I actually love that movie. But you it didn't works see that as shit. a movie. It works it, as a movie. But it, was a, but it didn't happen in Iron Man 2. No, no. Iron Man 3, we could forget about that shit, right? Like, you know, you decided to bring goop into that whole conversation. <laughs> So I, I, I think what isn't kept is that maybe at some point there is a flicker of what we are speaking about when we see in Black Panther and to a certain extent to Iron Man. But what is kept up, I think, in Ryan Coogler's work is the intensity and the intention is there and the um, uh, uh, consistency. It is kept well, because for all of the characters <laughs> but for all, for me for all of the characters that were on screen everyone in the first one and the second one we saw full character oh wait we well did... let's 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 ask let's 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 ask this question cuz Janina had some problems so let's ask her did you feel like everyone was full fully fleshed out Janina were these full people on screen for you did you believe them all uh no <laughs> <laughs> Who's on your list? Who is on your list? I mean, Angela Bassett, when her character dies, when when Mama dies, a lot dies with her because she brings a lot. You Even mean the gravitas? When... <laughs> <laughs> everybody keeps trying to. Um, I I didn't love uh, Shuri. Um, Talk to me about that, Janina. Talk to me about what your challenge was with Shuri, because I know that we've had this piece offline. Let's unpack a little bit of Shuri. So I like her being the brains behind the scene and not the scene. I think she does better there. Um, I liked her there. I liked her, you know, being, being the nerd, being the smart one, being the one really telling everybody this is how it works. Um, I didn't feel like she really pulled it off so much as a fighter. Even though we don't really get a whole lot of that. But even when we had it in the first movie, she still was 
even though she was part of the action, she wasn't the action. And it just, I didn't, I, I wasn't buying that. She doesn't, she doesn't um, hold the screen as, as an action person like these other, you know, bald-headed women who have war paint on their face and their spears. You believe that. I didn't believe her. Don't you think that's the point of this film? Yes. Yeah, I think you so. You know what? It yeah. may be, but I didn't like it. I, I'm going to say something. <laughs> you, remember, um, you know why this is interesting. That's fair. No, that's hey, fair. That's yeah, fair. fair. The thing of it but, is, is, is if, if that truly were the point, and I think that that probably is a piece of the point, that at the end, it would have been more believable. And to me, it wasn't. That's the problem. Because... Here is something I think that uh, maybe I don't know if what which wasn't made clear enough, and you know, Wakanda is as it was. Wakanda doesn't know what having enemies are, right? Like, you know that scene in Avatar, the James Cameron trash, where the bird <laughs> doesn't look up, right? Because the bird is is the apex predator. Is the apex predator, right? He yeah. doesn't look up. And that's how the dude was able to capture it, right? Because it's just like, he's always looking down for his prey. He never imagined that he could possibly be the prey. And I think which was so brilliant for me is that here was a girl who was, you know, and a lot has happened, which we seem to forget. Half of Wakanda disappeared, you know, came back. You know, white boy Chris Evans, you know, Captain America brought Thanos and his bullshit to their door. You know what I mean? They have had to deal with the world where the world knows the capability and full understand what what is within Wakanda. Because if you look back at the first film, Wakanda was showing itself as some poor, dusty old third world country, which couldn't even the only thing Wakanda was doing that was different was that we don't want your money. We don't want your money. We will be poor and destitute. That's how the world imagined Wakanda to be. And here was this man running around in a cat suit. was like, whatever. I think the Thanos conversation changed all of that, which we saw at the beginning of this movie. Wakanda didn't have to deal with any of this problem. You know, they're, they're, they didn't even think they needed underwater protection. <laughs> Clearly, right? Because they're like, who's going to swim up 100 kilometers from the sea? Because Wakanda is in Africa. It's, it's, it's a landlocked country, basically. So... I think that the whole, they've had to exist to a whole new reality. T'Challa is dead, you know, yeah. I mean, to me, I mean, I felt the opposite to Janina here, where I felt everything sort of worked. I, and I was there being, trying to be very critical and being like, no. Well, but, I, I think it's a, I think there's some fair points to be made from Janina's side, though. But I, I have to say, I was adjusting to Janina in it. Because I thought to myself, well, what's going on here? But then it's also kind of a little bit of the humanity of it, which is that this is not a role that she expected to play. Because if you think about, especially at the very end where she's grieving him and she's going, I was looking at her, I'm like, oh my God, she's a child. Mm -hmm. She's literally she's a, a child. child. Right? She, like, she was 15 in the first film, I believe. Yeah, yeah yes. you know what I mean? And then, and then, And then in a weird way, in a weird way, I was trying to, because I was thinking the same thing, Janina, like, is she equipped for this? Is it the story? I mean, I think the answer to that is no. Yeah, right? Like, that's the yeah. thing, right? Do you think that it... Do, so you think it's a part of the story Jasmine and O? Yeah. she's actually not suited. Now I'm talking to those two. I do, because I think, like, I... I well, I mean, I don't know how far ahead you want to go, but I think that 
that ties back to like the mid credit scene. I think there was this huge push with all of these knuckleheads that were like, oh my God, Chadwick died, recast T'Challa, no problem. Um, and instead of Marvel going that route, they instead created this nuanced story. They give you a child at the end of the story and they're just kind of like, we're about to jump into phase five. If you're looking at the, if you're looking at the MCU as a whole, we're about to jump into phase five. Phase five is literally going to be all about timelines, time travel, time, time skips, all of these things. They have provided a way to recast T'Challa, right. but like as you know, his son versus recasting the actual role of T'Challa, but giving his son the same name and putting Black Panther three probably at the very beginning of phase six you are giving yourself an opportunity to have Shuri pass on the reins of the Black Panther mantle to her nephew. Because at the very end of the film, uh, M'Baku is in charge. He's the king yes, of Wakanda now. So she, she is not on the throne. She doesn't want to be the Black Panther. But I, I think she feels like she has to do it because there's no one else to take on the mantle. Right. And there's an existential threat, right? There is a threat which they don't even know how to prove, which I don't think they had ever accounted for. And there seem to have been some level of preparedness, right? Because I think in the beginning she speaks about the emergency team that they have been starting to work to deal with anything that's happening around the area. So now Wakanda is trying to reshape itself into be believing that they have to solve problems that they never had to really counter with before. Well, I, I think know. O was trying to point to that too, right, O? Well, yeah, and I think for Shuri specifically, you know, uh, I, I I do agree with Janina. Is, is Shuri, you know, the supreme warrior of, of Wakanda and, and that type of, uh, I guess, battle-hardened type of warrior? Of course not. But, you know, uh, the, the mantle of Black Panther, you know, they always call it, you know, the their protector and stuff. And I think there's different ways to protect, right? And so, you know, it, she doesn't have to be that, you know, battle-hardened, you know, warrior that, you know, her brother or her, maybe even her dad was and stuff. And she can protect with her smarts and her, her technical expertise just as much as she could with, even or even more so than she could with her, 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 her physical attributes that are enhanced by the, the, the heart-shaped or simile that they've now been able to clone. But uh, as far as her wanting to be that, I, I don't know if, if, if it clearly she did not want to be that. And she took the blows the, for it too, because she was, <laughs> she's no T'Challa. Yeah, yeah and, and so I, I'm not sure if she, I, I'm unclear if she wants it now or if she doesn't want it now, but clearly she's accepted that she needs to carry that mantle and that burden, that duty, at least for the time being. So Janina, I think the crowd agrees with you. <laughs> no, I don't know if I, 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 I mean, not the reason I think the, I think what we're saying is that that may have been part of the storytelling because it is, I mean, if you think about it, it is a little bit of a coming oh. of age story, right? It's a coming of age story about, taking I mean this is not a role she expected to play this is why the grief and the death is so important I think throughout because it's before your time and even Umbako says it right like you are no longer a child because of all the world has taken from you mm -hmm. and I think the weight of that really plays out on that character 
first of all, she's very thin. But then also, yeah. I also think that it's just, I don't think it was, it's well suited to her. It's not well suited to her skill set. I mean, the best and I saw her, her. Yeah. And the best I saw her in the movie itself, to be honest, is when she was working with the, the, um, Ironheart, is that her name? And that yeah, camaraderie, Riri Williams. Riri Williams, that camaraderie, that energy is very much, it seems like her sweet spot, right? Where mm -hmm. she's a part of something, not the head of something. And it really does, it does feel like it's interesting who she ended up seeing when she took the heart-shaped herb, because it is a question of your fitness. Can we talk about that? Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, go, you go first, Anita. I am very curious now. Yeah, yep. let's go, Peter. Here's the thing, like, I, I cannot, and I have had multiple conversations with multiple people about this. I do not understand why she would not disclose the, who she saw. That she was embarrassed. Because well, she was embarrassed because she's what not suited. She, because she, the whole point is you're supposed did, to did see the ancestor. She wanted to see her parents. She wanted to see her mother. The whole goal was she was supposed to be seen by her mother because she then her mother, her or, or him, like she wanted yeah. to see somebody who she approved of. So to see some, to see somebody who you despise, and it's and almost an outsider like, too. And an out, it's like a reflection of her lack of fitness, right? And That's what she said. She said they abandoned me because you're looking to find your ancestor who loves you and who cares for you and who's going to give you a kind of leg up. And in fact, she doesn't get any of that. She gets the person who was killed and sent, and sent away. Right. Who destroyed Who destroyed her brother, basically, who burned everything down. And for me, I felt that that was really interesting because it spoke to what, what she wasn't confronting that was actually inside of her. Mm -hmm. Because that yep. was part of it too. Yep. Because he says, he says to her, he says, "Look, half of this shit ain't on me, and you sent for me. You, yeah, you picked me. You picked me. Because we have seen this journey like twice or three times, actually, right? T'Challa went through it twice, and um, and Jobu, um, whatever, and Chaka, whatever, Killmonger name is." He makes me sick, and I hate when people try to defend his bullshit. I, was I like, love Killmonger, so we're gonna oh. fight, we gonna fight like about that. Like I said, that. I would say again, I hate when people try to defend that bullshit. <laughs> um, no, him and Nate, him and Nate were not that far apart. Uh, but but to your point though, I do. Janine, right. I think so for me, I was like, wait, yeah. And, and let me just let me just put sideways inside him, just be like, what he was wearing. I don't want him. I mean, maybe, but I want what he was wearing because look. We gotta get into the clothing later on. Okay, we'll do that. But, he came in like bitch, sir. So, so wait. So, are you all saying? And let's be clear. You're mm -hmm. saying that who you see when you take the hardship herb is a reflection of both your own process as well as, of course, a tool for the storytelling. But it's also a reflection of the thing that you don't see yourself. And right, because about I, yourself. I think because in the beginning, right when we see T'Challa went through there. There was this uncertainty, right? He needed approval from his father to tell him that he was okay because um, Mbaku got it right. You let your own father die because it's very clear that the father had passed on the mantle of Black Panther to him while retaining being the king, right? Before all of this happened. But now he had to assume Black Panther and be the king. His struggle was trying to be the king and then when he goes back to see his father, he was struggling with 
who did he really know? Is his father really his father, right? His father killed his brother, his uncle. And all of that drama and mess he had to deal with. When Andrew, when Killmonger goes back and see, he was having to go almost to avenge his father and whatever, but <clears throat> that, didn't, <clears throat> that didn't quite go as well as he wanted it to go. Right? There was still he I think he had to understood how he didn't want to confront that his father was a complicated character. Uh, his father had sins of his own that he just saw his father as being the victim of his own brother's hands. But, and now she had to confront because she, she said it in the beginning, right? Mother, I don't want to think about any of this because I, I want to burn would, the world out. I, I will burn the one, everyone in it. She didn't just want to, like she was, she was clear in what she was saying. Right. And that was also the, um, the spark for Nemo that was Nemo in because Nemo could have taken Ramonda. Nemo was very specific as to who he wanted, right? And who he was going to take down to um Tola Khan should have taken me Nemo. I know some places you could have burned, but you know. oh, we've, igno- <laughs> we, we've, we've, we've ignored him enough. Let's go back a little bit. Let's talk about right. the introduction of Namor. What struck you about that character? What struck you about the moment he came on screen? Besides being a toast trap? Is that, we're not gonna... um, all of that. You could say it all. <laughs> when he first came on stream, what did it do for you? Nothing. It was completely dark, and all you saw was the shadow exactly. of him after he threw the helicopter. So it took a while before you got the full exactly. body shot. <laughs> Which was deliberate, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. By accident, right? Because we saw some badass people already, right, on the ship. Yeah. Taking down a whole squad. And yeah. then... You know, we saw something happening in the sky, and we were like, okay, this looks kind of wonky, but okay, whatever. And then Homeboy showed up in our Shangala, you know, looking like a snack we didn't know we needed. But he was so excited to be there. It was that confidence. He walked up and he was like, oh my God, this air is pristine and your water is amazing. Like, I've only ever heard about places like this from like my elders. Like, this is, this is great. Like walking up into Wakanda, like, oh yeah, y'all got it made. Exactly, but that, but that is his confidence, right? Because yeah. my favorite part was Angela Bassett was just like, I'm not a woman who repeats herself, right? Who are you? Yeah, because that was the thing that shocked. Like, we were dealing with two things happening here, right? Two worlds collided. He's the fact that he was seeing a mythical world, and uh, the fact that their world has now changed because a stranger has literally floated up out of water, flying with vibranium, and he's not a Wakanda. Mm-hmm. So their whole world and everything had changed. I, that was a brilliant, I was a brilliant introduction. I didn't like the fact that he had to push back his hair. Sir, you, you are Nemo. You are not coming out of a swimming pool. Your mm-hmm. hair is supposed to come out like Fernando Vadasco's. Okay. Hello. I don't care that he was did it. I like that he brought brought attention to the fact that he had a nice little mop on his head. <laughs> I also am impressed by the fact offline that I heard that they have to fix his like uh, you know package on screen. So, um, have to neuter n- neutralize poor Namor. <laughs> <laughs> we can't have Jasmine going, but but um, the gays have already figured out what's in that package. Okay. <laughs> And I will DM you all. I think I would have someone send some. Oh dear. For sheep. Oh I dear. Will that to you people. Outtakes. Oh, outtakes. Gosh. Outtakes. <laughs> what about you, O? <laughs> Namor popped on screen and said, "What? What to you?" <laughs> oh, sorry. Can you hear me? 
Yes, I thought you would say uh, speechless. Is that what you're trying to tell us? <laughs> yes, completely speechless uh, over Namor. Namor for me was obviously perfect casting for Tenoch Huerta, but his 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 appearance was, you know, I I, I agree with uh, with 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 Andrine on on how you know. He just, or oh, I'm sorry, it was Yas, but just he was perfectly fine in in Wakanda and stuff and everything. He saw them as a, a a an ally in his pursuit to neutralize the uh, the surface world, uh, so to speak. So for me, I his his presence, I think he played it perfectly. It was like, hey, we got some shit to handle. Y'all y'all are the ones that created the shit and so I'm gonna leave it for y'all to, to clean this mess up but and but I'm willing to work with y'all in, 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 in handling it as well. So, you know, for him to kind of approach Wakanda as his first kind of entry is just like it, it shakes Shuri and shakes everybody because it's not just, you know, uh, the presence of Namor just walking into Wakanda, but it's also that that they also have vibranium and Talukan and how uh, I think it was um, Okoye was just like, well, what about our, 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 our history, our, our, our stories? You know, the blessings of Bast is, is supposed to be the, the mountain of, uh, of vibranium that we have. And so if somebody else has it, what does that say about us kind of thing? So there's a little bit of uh, a subtle kind of introspections that are happening just because Namor shows up. I agree. And I think what's also interesting about Namor is, first of all, from the actor Tenok, which uh, my Latino friend says we don't pronounce the CH. I was like, all right, well, I'll keep the keep it a hard C then. You um, told me it was all right. He pronounces it himself as Tenoch. I know. I know. I know. I was doing the way he said it. But anyway, so um, no, but I thought it was I thought it was really no. I thought the actor made some really interesting choices throughout. Like he was menacing at times, mm -hmm. humorous at times, super provocative. And I have to say, I really believe that energy between he and Suri. Mm -hmm. I thought that she, I could see her being drawn into the narrative he was painting, mm -hmm. which turned out to be very helpful, right? And actually, if you look at it and think backwards about it, you might also see that he was actually seducing her the whole time painting a picture of a world that he wanted her to feel like she needed to protect and to see, to allow her to see connections. I'm wondering totally if that was the whole punchline, right? He was totally yeah, manipulating her, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. I, I, I think that was, um, and he got me. He got me. I was like, like, girl. Sure. I'll burn the world down with you. I mean, You're like how fast, how quick, what location, what, was, what time? What, I mean, I thought there was chemistry there, and Ryan was just like, it didn't have to be that kind of chemistry. <laughs> this was that no, 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 old... No, no. Was, because was... because the, here's the thing, right? He is the most unusual character in both worlds, right? But do you know he's why? The, he's the only one who has lived 600 years, right? Is it because he's, he's a, mutant. a mutant? He is the first the character character. in the MCU to call himself a mutant, mutant. on screen. Mm, really? In the MCU? Yes. Well, he because, because the MCU never had access to that. They never had access to the mutants because of Fox. Ah. Or because of X-Men and whatever. 
Yeah. But there was well, Fox and Sony, yeah. But I think yeah. there's also um, history in terms of like for the longest while within MCU, the characters themselves in Marvel comic books, um, um, Namor wasn't always a didn't acknowledge as being a mutant. He he has been around since the 1930s as being who he was. You know this Atlantean sort of situation and all of that bit. But it's only later on when you know, like someone did a test and yada yada yada, and they said, "Yeah, he really is a mutant." But he was always this thing, and I but don't they that... they refer to him as the first mutant? Right, and then later on, I think as the as they rewrite in different places and re- rewritten and whatever, he's literally the first mutant character to ever show up mm-hmm. in any of the comics in Marvel comic books. But he. Was but what's interesting though, I think that they. I mean, this is way, way off, but I think now that they do have access to mutants, I think that Namor has next. Explain that. Okay, so the basically the way that it breaks down is Marvel had sold off some of its characters to other people, which is why we have not had a standalone Hulk film since the Ed Norton film, because Universal still owns the rights to Hulk. So Marvel cannot have Hulk by himself. They can have Hulk as part of the Avengers, but they cannot have Hulk alone. So Hulk is still a universal property. Spider-Man, Venom, those kinds of things, Morbius, those are Sony properties. So they, they're trying to find a way to marry all of these studios together so that they can have one gigantic shared universe. We're starting to see pieces of that. We saw pieces of that with Spider-Man Homecoming. Mm-hmm. I mean, not Homecoming, uh, uh, Far from home? No, no way home. Sorry, the one where we got Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and um, all of them together. Yeah, we got all three Spider Men together. So that was one of the first mergers where we had all of these massive Sony characters brought into the MCU world. So with Namor, Namor in the comics has a thing for Sue Storm, mm-hmm. and Marvel has been trying to redo or trying to figure out what they're gonna do with the Fantastic Four, now that they have access to it because of Sony. You saw a piece of Fantastic Four in the Multiverse of Madness, where we have a very small scene toward the end with Reed Richards. Right. But in the comics, Namor is like obsessively in love with Sue Storm, even though Sue Storm is married to Reed Richards. So I think that the next time we see Namor, it is going to be part of a bigger introduction of bringing the Fantastic Four into the fold of the MCU. And I think Marvel has no choice, right? We've lost our big three. We've lost Captain America. We've lost Thor. We've lost Iron Man. Marvel has to do something to keep people interested in this gigantic universe that they've created. So it's, it is time for them to inject new blood. Mm. And them busting the timeline with Loki is where we saw it first. And then, of course, Ant-Man Quantumania, which is the first film of Phase 5, or Kang the Conqueror is coming through. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what it's like. I mean, we might even get lucky and see a Young Avengers where we get to see Miss Marvel and Riri Williams and Miles Morales and Shuri all working together. Um, so I think I think it's exciting times. I think it's going to take uh, it's going to take some patience. I think it is going to be a little bit rocky, like Janina experienced with this film. Um, but I think we're going to get some really, really interesting world building coming up, even though we're already so deep into this MCU. I, I don't think it's just going to 
be the MCU that we're used to. I think it's about to become very diversified and that makes me very excited. Well, can I ask, can we, can we tackle that though? Can we tackle this question of like the constraints of actually trying to do a story where there's an untouched Wakanda and there's an untouched Telecon and what that actually means when we think about like these white supremacist world? Or oh, Val Valentina told you exactly what it meant in this film. When that scene at the end where Ross is like, why, why would you do this? Like, you, you know, if the U.S. had its hands on, on vibraniums, you know what we do. And she was like, I dream of it. I dream of what I would do if I had access to vibranium. And I think that, that is very true. Like, she is the villain. She, she makes no qualms about it. She doesn't even try to hide it. Like, it, we are very much going to get that whole sequence at the beginning where Ramonda is talking to the UN and she's like, we don't have a problem with the power of vibranium. We have a problem with what you would do with the power of vibranium. Um, and so I think that the world powers are going to play a bigger role in trying to destabilize Wakanda. I think that's what's going to happen next. The next time we see Wakanda, it's going to be invaded not just by Namor, but I think other people are going to finally start to break through and realize like that, you know, Wakanda got a whole bunch of other stuff going on. Yeah, I, I think they actually really kind of suddenly lay the, the plot in of how the the rest of the surface world is so, or I should say not even the rest of the surface world, but European powers and the Western powers specifically are rapacious in uh, they're wanting that they want that vibranium. It's a because it's not just some random, you know, you know, Eastern European country that they put these mercenaries or the special ops teams. In. It's oh, France. France. <laughs> so can we, yeah, can we talk a little bit about that though? Like, what is what's new here? What's going to be different here? Like, because I think if you think about all the things that you've just said, reels about Ryan Coogler and the way that Ryan Coogler takes this story and this Neymar story. How does that invite us into a world where we are going to be able to sort of engage it in a different way than we engage all of these colonialist narratives? Well, I mean, I mean, I think I understood. Um, again, I just rewatched, you know, the beginning sequences of the first movie, and that question comes up right where you know, um, and Jobu is telling. Killmonger the story and you know we see this whole played out and all of things happening around the world and his motivation is to stop but I, I think at some point um, for me I, I understood um, I understood Wakanda's motivation for like keeping um, our shit to ourselves right because we can't help everyone which is understandable but the problem is that this is not resources, and they have been helping people. I think, which was it's not being mentioned, the War Dog Operation, Nakia—they're out there doing work, right? But I think for me, it's just like it is. But that those aren't that structural, is real. Those but aren't structural. Come on. What do you mean it's not structural? It's much not structural. Sense. Dropping one person here and there—that's not real help. Well, I, I think we see it as one person here and there, but we don't know what is happening. And they actually embrace that in the beginning of this movie, where they're like. We have outposts around the world doing stuff. But the problem is that the rest of the world isn't trying to engage with Wakanda to help to expand those things and do much more and do better. What they seem to want is vibranium and the, the potential weaponization and capability that it, it, it can do. That's what they seem hell-bent on doing. 
Because but I mean, that's like more... unimaginative, though. No. Like, listen, like, remember, this is the critique Killmonger had. Killmonger's like, you have all this power and resources, and you're starting some sort of after-school program? And what is Killmonger doing? What did Killmonger do when he got upon the throne? I'm just saying, at least he's going for a big picture. What is the but, big but, but, I mean, but there was no big picture. Killmonger, Killmonger sent out those things to weapons to blow up and burn. I know, but this is what I'm saying though. This for me is the ultimate limitation of this universe. Is, is that what... it all seems to be with war, you mean? <laughs> like No, no, not just it ends with war, but what is the mar- what is the narrative? What is the structure that what is the structure of the story that you're gonna be able to tell? Like if you imagine this book, this movie was super interesting in the sense that Brian Cougar says, Namor and um Shuri, let's think about another way. Let's think about another way to do this. And there's a question of like, is there a way to con- connect indigenous people who have remained out of touch with the Europeans such that they were, quote unquote, not pure, but they were able to kind of- make They were not colonized. Yeah, right? Non- what do a non-colonized people do next? What is the answer for that? But, like but there is answer, none. Yes, yes, there is. The answer is mutants. Because that, mm-hmm. because that is the entire thread of all of the X-Men movies. It is- it's an us against them. And I think that is what they're building to. We saw a very, very tiny piece of this in Civil War. Um, we saw a very tiny piece of this in Avengers Age of Ultron when we have the Sokovia Accords. They are trying to find a way to separate these superpowers from everyone else. And I think the closer Marvel and Disney get to acquiring all of the Sony properties back, all of the Universal properties back. I think the only way that they have to go forward from this point on is to truly build an us versus them feel. And if you think about the X-Men films, it was always the same. That was why Charles and Magneto had a falling out because Charles was like, we can't just treat humans like they don't matter. Whereas Magneto was like, but we're better than them. Like it, we should not be subject to their whims. They should be subject to ours. And that is the same way that uh, that Namor kind of feels. It was the same way that Eric felt. It's just they they didn't have the power that Vibranium has, right? So like with the mutants, you have you know Xavier who can read minds and he can hurt people. You also have Wanda, the Scarlet Witch, who's one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful mutant. Um, I mean, it's just I think that's the only way that we can go from here is to actually build a cohesive us versus them world that we see. Which is mutant versus humans. Yeah. So I'm really glad that y'all just had that conversation because it, it it makes more sense to me why I felt like this was so out of left field because I don't follow the comic book world. So for me, <clears throat> Namor was just this person for the movie that shows up, right? And I liked him enough in... I wasn't bothered by him until I saw the little wings on his. Is it like that. the team? Is it like <laughs> the tennis players? I love you. Ryan, Ryan was adamant about keeping that part. He was adamant about it. Apparently there's some history there. Reels taught me. So like, I don't know this world like you guys do. Um, so thank you for that because I, I'm just like, I don't know who this dude is, but whatever. He's got fucking wings on his feet. And it's getting on my nerves. He's got wings on his feet. Wait, he his hand like a clam. <laughs> but, mean, <laughs> but meanwhile, but y'all, y'all accept that whole 
that whole jargon when it comes to um Hermes, <laughs> right? Hermes in Greek mythology, which is where it lends itself from, right? Well, the original. I don't know, but I don't know that that well either. So <laughs> like, I'm just, you know, I, I don't know. But I, I'm going to say goodnight, and I can't wait to listen back on this and, and see what else you guys say. Because, you, again, I just want to be entertained. I was. Um, I shared my annoyances, and I can't wait to hear what you guys. <laughs> I it's no secret that I don't like talking movies with y'all because you, you get way too deep and it's above my head and it's past my bedtime. So I'm going to bow out. Bounce. Good night, good night. Good night. Bye-bye. You know, one of the other things I love, though, about Namor is, so uh, a few years ago when I was in Mexico, I went to Chichen Itza and we actually learned about Kukulkan, the uh, feather serpent god, and how important that figure was in sort of the that Yucatan Mayan culture way back in the day and so to hear that story being told in this film on on such like a grand scale it just like it sent I got goosebumps because I just thought it was so fascinating that instead of a guy from Atlantis they they gave Namor a story that is based on human history. And I just thought that they did that so well, so well. And and the fact that like the, the names that he was being called were names that I was familiar with. I just thought it was really interesting that that's the route that they went with Namor's origin story. I thought it was really, yeah. I loved it. I love that section. I was completely enraptured. That for mm -hmm. me was like an entire magical section from him telling his story all the way to him taking her to his new, to his world. Yeah. Sign me up for everything that was happening there. Yeah. And let me just really say, Ryan Coogler told Aquaman in 15 minutes. <laughs> 15 minutes. Oh Ryan was just like, Aquaman. Get your story right, boo. Look. This is what you do. This is what happened when you have a great writer. But you see, I would have thought that that would have been a moment where I thought Janina um, should have pointed out because I was just like, ain't nothing I see in Tula kind of that tells me that you people are, I know y'all do some technology thing, but that y'all made a suit for a human being getting there. Like, how is that? To me, I thought those were the suits that they had at the beginning of the film. Like, I thought that they yeah. just kept those suits that they killed the U.S. Oh, agents in. okay. But you yeah, know what? You're right. That's something a sadistic that Namor would do. But like, oh, I killed someone in there. It's just like, oh, girl, yeah. why not wear Yeah, this looks good on you. Yeah. <laughs> I killed somebody. The, the last owner, he's not available right now. Yeah. <laughs> and she didn't seem to, but then again, she was a captive, right? She's not asking too many questions. <laughs> she was like, I really do think, though, they could have they could have had something um, if he hadn't killed her mother. I, I think yeah. that is completely off the table at this point. But before that, I think that they could have come to a much different arrangement because they did have that chemistry. But this, but that situation. Although I was getting strong, strong sapphic vibes, and I was okay with that as well. Me too. Um, <laughs> but the situation got messy because Nikki had fucked it all up, right? Like the mm -hmm. whole, like, like what I kept saying for me was just like every time you think that you were about to deal with something properly. Some shit happens, right? Listen, Nakia was doing exactly what the queen asked her to do. Yeah. Okay. Fair, fair she point. was doing exactly what the queen asked her to do. She said, go get, get my daughter. Girls and get out. Yeah. Whatever yes. it takes. <laughs> do whatever by it any takes. means necessary. And that's exactly what she did. And one of my favorite lines in the whole film is when 
he when she brings Sherry back, and then Baku is like, "Oh, a spy saves Wakanda again. I bet the queen's gonna banish her." <laughs> For a lifetime, no, lifetime banishment. Yeah. But, but even he has changed because now the yeah. Barry people are integrated within Wakanda yes. and capital. But for me, it was just like Queen Mother. Um, that's not what Namor saw though. Namor saw was just like this friggin' bitch got me on this side of the Atlantic, and she got she don't send her people down there to kill my people in the other side of the Atlantic. Now that scene though, not necessarily his introduction, but that scene where he gets like within inches of her face, I was like, him is getting hot in this theater. Like, <laughs> you you basically like a murderous man coming at you oh my god i'm just saying like that there was something so like sexy about that whole scene and i was like yeah. this is really inappropriate but but damn but he was always that person though in the very when they first meet and he just like Ma'am, I got more warriors than this place got blades of grass. Yeah, okay? can we can we talk about can we talk about him? Like, what do you all think about his character? Do you think there were any genuine moments of connection for him, or was it all a play? No, I think there was some genuine because I think that he he was honest with his people when he came back and he was like, I was blinded by hope. I think he really thought that he was breaking through to Shuri because he remembered what she said about wanting to burn the world down. And I think he was trying to pull that part out of her instead of trying to nurture a, like an alliance per se, like enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? I think that was his entire reasoning of trying to get her on his side. And um, there's no way he yields at the end if there's no connection there, you know? There's no way that he says, okay, I will stand down. I'll have my people stand down. And, but we will rely on your, and we will trust that you'll come to and follow through on your word to aid us uh, if any of the surface world comes for us, then yeah, there's, there's definitely a connection there. And then he paints it out, you know, on, on his tapestry. Yeah, he- That's not what he said though. He said to uh, Namora that they're gonna come to us. For help. He yeah, said- doesn't, you, doesn't it feel like a big play? Like I yes, really, at me, the I end, it feels play. like a play. It's like a play. It's like, because I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take an L because the ultimate villain for us is not you and I. I see mm -hmm. that. Because that's the other part of it that's a little bit naive, right? Because obviously Shuri doesn't mean that she really wants to burn. That's grief talking, right? Yeah. He's, old, he's old enough to understand grief is happening. Mm -hmm. So that's not a real emotion that she feels that's that's centered to her core, right? Like it's unbelievable. It's a, it's a momentary blip of like rage and anger. The reality of who she is is who he plays later. Right? Like, if she really meant burnt the world down, then his whole strategy of engaging her and taking him to her people and da-da-da-da, he's counting on her softness towards his people. Not the, not that other side. So it feels to me, like, after I watched the whole thing, I was like, this dude made a massive play to get her to see herself as his ally at the very end, even taking a loss. But I think he also needs something, because I don't know if you, at least for me, I felt that Wakanda had utilized vibranium far beyond anything that he yes. could have done. And he was happening there, right? Because there is, because, and also he is a singular person. He's also a kind of a lonely person. He's 600 years old plus, <laughs> I think, right? No one else is like him in Tolakan. Mm -hmm. That's true. That and he is, and I think, and Baku points out, adds to the fact that, you know, like his people see him as a god. Yeah, and I think yeah, the, 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 and for me, 
I think Shuri understood. I cannot beat Tolokan in this way, right? Well, but I also, like, they might not be able to use vibranium mm -hmm. the way that the Wakandans do, but their people naturally have this but, superior strength that the people of Wakanda don't. So even if they are not armed, they are still far more dangerous right then they are you know then the wakandans are. are far more dangerous because wakandans seem to be in a bit but i don't think i don't think I, that's the point that um jasmine's making she no i'm saying the talokans are more more dangerous more, more dangerous yeah because they're just naturally they're naturally stronger like they don't need oh. weapons to be stronger right right right. i don't that's not what i mean in terms of dangerous but i think um for me i think nemo in terms of what um andrin is saying that nemo is making a play and why he makes this play to Wakanda and to Shuri. Because I think he needs something from her. Yes. Which I think is to understand. Mo because for me, I, I mean, all I'm seeing is that Vibranium is used as a spear. He creates the sun and jewelry, right? I don't know. <laughs> we're, we're, we're not in the oh, inner working. Oh, there's some bombs that he crafts. No, that, that, yeah, I, I mean, how they are crystallizing water. Okay, yes, there is that. Flooding water and all of that thing. But somehow, I, I think it's very clear that Wakanda has... Maybe we are seeing more of Wakanda than we've seen of Tulakan, but Wakanda seems to have, been, have far more capabilities of, with, with, with Vibranium. And I think for me... Um, it's Vibranium plus one, right? Yeah, and, yeah but Tulakan didn't need it. They Nobody knew that they were there. And so they didn't have anything to defend because yep. they had no enemies. Well, isn't that so, a little bit like what happened to Wakanda? Wakanda, too? right, exactly. Wakanda but is also the same way. The ocean and the, the depth they're at, you know, because of, you know, the the pressure and whatnot, also just has a, a natural, natural boundary and protection for them that uh, Wakanda, yes, you know, they have their own vibrating protections and whatnot, but they're still on land and, you know, there's still, you know, people you know, that can at least walk to Wakanda and walk or try to get into Wakanda as Killmarger did before and and uh, so, and also the only person that um, Tolo can can't get can't go on the surface and not be noticed. I mean, homeboy got wings on his feet, and they're blue, <laughs> and, and they're, they're blue. blue, and they're on land. So, <laughs> but you know, when they hang out with mutants, no one will notice. <laughs> well, that is true, but I mean, in this world, mutants don't really exist, right? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Right, the woman realized at the beginning, the woman in the when in the ship, right? She realized they're not the Wakandas. Yeah, she's like the blue. They're blue, right? And they tried to radio this information, but you know that doesn't go anywhere. But um, I think we could get into. I mean, I guess we touched on most of the plots and whatever. Are there thinking. other plot points that we should? Oh, I, I know Janina didn't like it, but I thought that Killmonger at, on the ancestral plane for Shuri was yeah, the was absolute brilliant. most perfect piece of this film. Yeah. Uh, it just, it was, it wasn't what I was expecting at all, yeah, at all, at all. Right. And it, oh. it caught me so off guard, but like it was yeah. so perfect because I just thought that Eric completely encapsulated her internal rage and yeah. she was so angry that she didn't even realize that that was what was going on inside she of her for a long time too yeah she was she yeah. was and i think that him being there and him being his usual snarky confrontational self like i i honestly thought that that was the most perfect sequence in the film that, that yeah. felt predictable to me not predictable 
that was not surprising. I was just like, ah, I knew it would be him. Did you? Oh, no. I didn't. I didn't. Because I, 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 I just knew that Angela had already said what she needed to say to her, and she wasn't hearing anything, right? I know they weren't bringing back Chadwick, and I thought either it could have been... I actually... The, the three possibilities I had was the younger version of her father, um, her uncle, who she never met, or him. And for some reason, and I think why I picked him was that somewhere when they were doing the premieres, I saw him popped up, and I was like, "What you doing here? <laughs> You're no acting self." What you listen, <laughs> well, listen, Dan- Daniel Kaluuya was at all that stuff too, and he wasn't there either. So yeah, no, 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 no. Let's hear. Oh, let's hear. Oh, go. Oh, give his perception of oh. what was going on for you for there. You were talking uh, about that. Oh no, no I, I was saying that. I didn't expect it at all. In, yeah. in just because I don't pay attention to the, the red carpet or the purple carpet <laughs> stuff that, that goes on. So I try to do a complete media blackout going into the movie. So uh, so I had no expectation and stuff. So for me, I thought it was, it was going to be Ramonda again and stuff and mm-hmm. that she was going to be able to talk to Shuri. And then it, to me, I was expecting the more formulaic, you know, Marvel uh, type of thing. And so when, when it's Killmonger and... I I literally gasped. No, it's like, oh wow, that's that's perfect and something so surprising that it actually caught me off guard. So, what did you think about the fact that? What do you think is also at the basis of her rage, aside from the loss of her brother? Do you um, think there are other sources of her rage? And what, do we think that that means anything for Black women rage versus Black guy rage? I, I, well, I would say this is, I was going to bring a personal thing. From the, when, the, when the movie opened, I felt I was, I've just gone through my own type of grief in some, you know, and I connected with her immediately because in my head immediately, I just like, girl, I know you matter. I know you matter. <laughs> and because there was, there were times where I felt I felt a very strange experience now that I'm thinking about it, you know, as I'm, I felt she and I were breathing and were having the same breath. I felt everything that she was feeling, it was, we, we, we were in sympathical. And I just like, you are upset, but they, you want to be angry, but there's no, there's no one for you to be angry at. Angry. Yeah. And who can you be angry at? Right. And what can you say? Because, and I think one of the moments, because she has been very, we saw her in the white and whatever, but I think she literally broke. And there was that scene when she hung up on her mother. When um, I think Aneka said, girl, you hung up on the queen. And she's just like, no, I hung up on my mother. That's a completely different <laughs> thing, right? Because she was going to, because she had out in her mind. She was going to go see her mother later on. Yeah. Right? Her mother told her not to go somewhere. Yep. And she would just say, Mother, we need to help because that was a source of tension before, right? And she's just like, she is enraged. And I know when, when Mbaku come, when Mbaku was talking to her, and she was like, why are you here? You don't see that this child and whatever? There is that rage building continuously. I knew just like, and I saw a picture with the, the, that guy, just like, I'm just like, it's not going to be Angela. It can't be Chadwick. It has to be him. And I mean, just because... And then she says the thing that was needed to be said. You destroyed everything, right? You wanted this whole shit for yourself. 
and you mm-hmm. didn't care about anyone else. Because can she grieve her mother's loss? No. And she told when she said to him, the only person who knew me is dead. And there ends any kind of thing that this girl any expectation she had died with her. Exactly. Because that because that rage now, I think. She really feel where we saw in the beginning where she's just like, Mother, I want to burn the wall and burn everyone in it, right? That was, I think that was more of an, uh, an attempt to say, for me, I felt what she was saying at that point was just like, I have all of this smarts, right? She, she has this mm-hmm. name more, right? Yeah. And yeah, I, I couldn't say she's probably mad at herself. Exactly. Because yeah. everything I could do and whatever, but no. This is the wall is on fire ready. <laughs> She's ready to like that but, match. But isn't this just like what happens to you though? Because think about her. She was cosseted and protected. And she was the smartest one in the room. A little bit like she's supposed to, you know, that engagement she has with Tony Stark, or is that just me reading fan fiction? And then all for all your knowledge, you cannot stop the world from taking the person you value the most. No. Right? I know that's like some that's, stupid shit too. <laughs> I mean, but stupid. it's not. But it's not even just stupid. It's a thing that you can't control. It's disease. It's. But the thing with Sherry and so real said he could relate because of the the grief at the very beginning. Now I can relate when it feels like you have the ability to do something and then you can't do it, and you take that out on yourself. But and you, but but because you're such a perfectionist, it becomes this is my fault. If only I had paid more attention. If only I had picked up on the signs. If only I could have moved a little bit faster. Right. Like she has taken all of that, which none of it has anything to do with her. None of it. She's taken all of that and she has blamed herself for it. That is where her rage comes from because she feels like she had the ability to do more and she didn't. Now, and that is perceived. It's perceived. It's not actually how things happen, but. But that is how she sees it. And because she sees it that way, that's how it manifests for her. But she also loses her mother when she is... is she, she blames herself for that, too. That's, exactly. Well, it kind of is her, though, because right. Neymar said it. If you touch anybody here and you hurt anybody else here... I mean, that's a natural consequence of her not using her power to save that, save his, his citizen. Mm-hmm. Well, she, well she, she didn't have the beads. She didn't have the beads. Remember? She no, had... no, she didn't have the beads. But she asked. She asked um, Nakia for them, and Nakia said we had to go. It but Nakia said we can't minutes. save her. No, no, no. Nakia said they didn't have time. She had the beads. That's why Nakia was able to find her. It's just no. a, it was a choice that they made in that moment because they were trying to save her to rush. But right. if they had, if she had taken the time, she could have saved that woman. Uh, and that's and that's the natural consequence. Your actions have a natural consequence. That's what, why what, what, he this revisited. Isn't, this 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 is not it though. This is not this is not the response because she well, says the response this. is well, like, it's a very the, much an escalation. It's an escalation. It's an escalation. But again, it's an escalation after he has told you and shown you what he loved. But he has shown but, you the world that he's protecting, and then you come here and too. you use sophisticated weaponry on my people who see me as a god and I can't save that person's life. But she says to him, she says to his, my people will not rest until they have me back. And that's fine, but we're still negotiating. But then Nakia blows up everything. (laughs) 
I mean, you listen, know you, can, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, listen, no. he's like, we're still talking back and forth. We're still having negotiation. And but I think that's one of the in. things, like, yeah. that's what makes him such a good villain. Exactly. So many times you have these bad guys that are just all talk, 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 talk. No. And he flat out said, if, if, you, if you if you do this, I'm, I'm gonna do this. Yeah. And so he showed up, and he was like, "Yo, Mofo, you the queen now. I'm coming back in a week. But Bury your people, or you're dead. And I'm gonna see you in seven days, bitch." He was like, "Let me tell you, I love it. I love everything that happened. Natural consequences. I love all the But but she knew. I think she knew the consequences. Yes, she did. She knew. She did. That's why she was afraid. She was like, "Let's me try to save him because I just had a conversation with this dog, and he said, you don't. I don't think you all understand. And I think again, this is this is Wakanda thinking it is apex predator, right? Yeah. But the lady from the merchant tribe said it. She was like, "We should give him whatever he wants because we've never had to face an enemy that had vibranium before." Oh my God! Can I tell you in the theater? When they said they want us to give him an American scientist, do it. Yeah, do it. <laughs> it. Fuck it. I, okay, yeah. Fuck it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. One American? Yes. Not one of us? Oh, but actually, let's talk about can, can, what about Killmonger there? What is what was the point? I missed that train. What's the train that Killmonger is making about what his uncle that his uncle would have given up this scientist and he still thinks of her as a part of the lost tribe? So it makes sense that that she's trying to save the scientist. He's he's implying like you have choices here. You can be like your father, yeah, and you can leave her behind because that's what he would have done. Okay, or you could be overly noble like your brother and then try to save everybody. Or you could be like me and do what needs to be done. Let's be honest. Let's talk about that. Like, where you all fall on that? I know people hate Killmonger, but what what are those choice points? Well, I think I, I think before Nakia blows up everything, right? Blew up everything. <laughs> Thanks, I Nakia. think her point was just like, I cannot let you kill this child. And for whatever reason, the connection that the true connection you saw between them, right? They were mm-hmm. both two young, brilliant young women of color, black women. But she was like, um, Wakanda solved their problems like they do all the time we've ever seen them. Oh, we have a problem? We will keep the problem here in Wakanda. We will deal with it in Wakanda, right? Isolation is their response to everything. Right, exactly. We will bring the problem to Wakanda and keep it out of your reach. They did the same thing for well, how Soldier. is that realistic? This is what but, I'm saying. It's, it's but, not though. And, but, and, but, she, but the girl was telling them that, right? Like, you know, like I need to call my mother. Like, yeah. yeah, like this, uh, this is what I'm is, saying. This is but what Namor wasn't even buying it either. Yeah, Namor ain't about isn't. that. Yeah, Namor isn't, but this is what I'm saying, right? This is why I'm saying that like, there's a moment where you have to confront the challenges that Killmonger asks you to confront. And what are your choices that you're going to be making here? You can't keep bringing everybody inside your world unless that's your options. And I love that for us if that's what we're going to do. But how are you going to confront and engage the outside world? What does that look like? You've now revealed yourself. I mean, in some ways, that's actually a really painful journey for Wakanda itself, right? And they have... Especially with a new leader. No, with but, a new Waka- leader, but, but right? I think Namor, Namor points to... I think there's a, there's a step here, right? Because <laughs> Black Panther exists. People will find with that. That was not an issue. I think Thanos' situation revealed Wakanda to be what Wakanda, what we know Wakanda is now. Right, because I don't think the world understood that about Wakanda. I think that's yeah, they what didn't understand of, his capa- our, their capacity. That's what that's what Namor said. Like you showed them what. But what my you thing, I, I, Namor isn't even engaging in the Thanos narrative. 
right? No, like, but why should he? He hates the surface world. Destroy up there if you but, want. But my question is, did they not lose 50% of the people? But no. they not part of the snap? No. They were like I... This. <laughs> I think they were out of it. They, prob they probably weren't because they're not destructive. <laughs> or is what it a kind world of wasn't destructive? Well, kind of. Is it a world... <laughs> Is it a world that you just don't know? If you don't know they exist, it doesn't work. The ring doesn't but work. They got, but, but they have access to news because they knew that T'Challa exists. He listen, died. I get it better than the Eternals. They're not invading this. They're like, listen, Namor is like, I don't care about the surface world. So be gone if you want 50% of y'all gone. That's <laughs> less people for me to fight. <laughs> but, but does that seem like, because I, I am curious to how Namor, because Nemo doesn't have children, doesn't seem to be concerned about, you know, he's not immortal. His people, he just his people are long. his children. Okay. But, I mean, isn't Namora trying to jump on that? Like, Namora, I mean, Namora? obviously we all yeah. try to jump A on tumor? that, but, but that ain't really what showed up. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but again, I mean, but you know, to your point, Andrina, about them having these choices and whatever... Every time they need moment to reflect and figure out whatever, some shit happening. Look, well, that's all, you, right? That's all movies. They always move faster than right. But but, but I mean, for like your brain with, to slow down, I guess. But no, but I mean within the within the plots with how the how the story develops, because I don't think this is a very long span. This is like a span of two weeks, probably. Well, <laughs> I a mean, lot's I think going on. I like a lot's going, going on because. When Nemo, Nemo didn't even give these people to 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 catch themselves, right? Nakia just got time to go home and bathe and put on some clothes and go find Okoye, and boom, there's a flood. Also, can I say though? Can I say seriously? I thought that the queen escalated against Okoye quickly, but then when she started recounting oh. everything that had happened, oh, no. I disagree. Oh, that was. I was so like, good. oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah, she she got some points. Look, she yeah. Got some points. That yeah. was my second favorite scene in this film when she was really? like, "Ah, oh, look, look, I took up for you when you stayed here and defended that mofo that took over the throne. I took up for you when, you know, when this and I told you don't take my daughter with you. I told you that and you took it anyway. And she said, I done lost my husband. I done lost my son. And now I have no idea if my daughter is alive. Fuck you. Put your spear down. No, you are out. Hold up. Hold back. Hold back. Hold up. You, you, forgot, you forgot the key point in this thing, right? She mentioned something. She said, wasn't it I? Didn't I want all of you? She didn't. It wasn't just Okoye she was talking to, you know. She's talking to the whole. She's, yeah, the only person that was excluded was Mbaku. Because she said, I crawled to the Jabari begging them for Jabari. help. Okay. That's true. You know, you know what? She was reminding us of, of. I forgot all of that, honestly. Exactly. And when she was detailing, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. I was just like, the bitch. <laughs> I am. She said, I am done. <laughs> yeah, no, I I approve of that. I thought that that, and I thought that that was so perfect. Like, she had just had enough. She was like, I I cannot accept your failure. I can't accept your failure. And I thought I thought by the end of the movie that you know the queen gone. I assumed she would have been reinstated, but nope, nope. Io is still the oh, yeah, general the now. Because I I don't I I think Okoye can't even pick up the mantle again either. I don't think so. 
I don't know, because I think- I also was, love the snark of what she said when the other guy from the border tribe was like, yeah, but you know, like maybe we were overreacting because she raised the spirit of her own husband. And she said, and her treacherous ass husband that she can go see whenever she wants. Thank you. Boom. I was just like, Angela, you know, but like, I was yeah. just like, he ain't dead. He's just in jail. She can go see that lazy ass mofo in jail whenever she wants to. That trifling son of a bitch. Yeah. Just like, when I tell you, Angela, and that's how you clear a bitch. Oh my God. That was, it was so good. Angela Bassett was so fantastic in this film. She just, she just exuded so much like royal energy. I was like, she did all the queen shit. Like, yeah, yeah. No, it was really, it was really funny. I was just like, wait a minute, that felt like an escalation. But you know, um, I also was because curious, she, mm-hmm. and she said it very softly to, okay, you you will be stripped of your um, um, if you're spared of your status as general, and of your door, and then okay, we're just like, may I speak, mother? And then. <laughs> Ah, oh. mother. Ain't no mother to me. That's a mean mother. <laughs> oh my god! I was like, girl, what didn't um what didn't work for you all? Um, but the fact that I can't have access to the clothes, I was just like, the <laughs> fucking <laughs> shit. Oh like, why? Like, I don't want to see none of the shit anymore. Okay, because I can't go buy this shit someplace. <laughs> Where is the Wakanda clothing outlet? Where is your? I need some of this shit. Call uh, Ruth Carter. Call her up. Be like, yo, Ruth, uh, what's it going to take? I thought there was some minor touches to the script I thought that could have actually worked. I think the one that popped out to me that I remember quickly is that that what I thought would have been interesting is that people no longer, you can't refer to Shuri as a princess anymore. She is the queen. Um... I thought that would have been interesting if Grio make the end because I think when like when T'Challa had died, you know, she asked Grio to give her the information and Grio was just like, no, you know, like I thought there were just some little minor touches, but on a whole, I mean, I couldn't find any flaw with the movie. That is that shocking because you are a flaw finding no, and, and I mean, there are some, but I think on a whole, I mean, because no one is perfect, right? It's just, <laughs> I mean, I, I thought some I, of the humor was forced. Really? I, I don't know. Yeah, I thought the whole bit with uh, the Fenty matching makeup sequence, yeah, I didn't really little enjoy little that. Bit. I didn't enjoy a lot of the, I, I like the character of Ruby Williams, I really do, but I did not like the way that she was written. Really? In, yeah, in I've heard that. What do you think? What, hmm. was, what didn't I thought was? they tried really hard to make her seem very urban. Well, and I do, I do mean that in like that negative way, like, and she's I don't. Chicago. <laughs> she's Chicago. So. No, um, I know, but yeah. So but it, it felt it felt really juvenile, and I get that she's you know she's nineteen, so she is still really young. But at the same time, like I, I just felt like some of those didn't land quite as well as they could have. Mm. But I thought that was for me those feelings that I would have that I sort of had an inkling to some of those things that you say. I was like, maybe this isn't editing, right? Because maybe the extended version, and I could sort of forgive certain of those. I, I yes, I think we we went back to that sort of humor with her head and whatever. Because I'm just like, there is Ok Okoye cannot not stand out. 
This right. is a black woman in a bodysuit every time she's out of Wakanda, okay? But the thing that they were, but the things that they used to talk about her was interesting, right? Because it was about matching her skin to, it was about like, so it's this question of like, what, she doesn't use makeup in Wakanda? Like, it's a different kind of thing that you're using out in this world? I mean, that's an interesting way of characterizing it. I took it I as did, that. Well, because I think she covers up her head tattoos when she's out right. outside she's of Wakanda. Out, yeah. Yeah. Issue for her. Yeah, yep, yep. but I also thought, like, on the one hand, the the joke that Mbaku made when he called her a ball headed demon, I thought that was perfect because Mbaku, like, and his comedic timing is just like he's so funny. There is the fish man. I had some issues with his character a little bit. I'll say, I was wondering about it in the movie because I felt like he had no power. I felt very much like you're giving me disempowered vibes. Like, what it, what use mm-hmm. are you? What I don't think he you? did, though. Not until the end. Yeah, right? Like, I mean... What do you I mean, mean disempowered vibe? I just... I was thinking about... I mean, obviously, he saw himself as comedic, as the comedic um, piece in the movie. He said that. He thought that he was there to bring right. some lightness and levity. But at the same time, I was thinking about, like, who could... Because there was that scene where he's talking to Shuri, mm-hmm. right? And I was like, wait a minute. There's no... There's no one that she can actually really turn to. Yeah. Like yeah. he should, you know what I mean? Like in a weird way, like he wasn't someone I took seriously. And in that moment, he wanted to be taken seriously, right? And I was also, what would, what do you mean when he was asking about where does her heart tell her? Wait, I was like, are you making a play right now? Like I just was trying to figure out who that character could be in this world where everyone has so much magical powers, right? Like, what is the use of your skill set? I think though he had to cope with that world around him because yeah, right? he had to because he saw the aliens come through in yep. um, right. Infinity That's War. Right. Then you know he he takes what T'Challa says to heart, and they have their come to Jesus moment. And then he's like, "I'm doing this because I promised your brother. He right. asked me to be yeah. your advisor, and that is what I'm doing. I am advising you." And I think that he just kind of is the guy that takes things as they are. Because at the very beginning of the film, he was very different. He was like, fuck it, kill the fish man. Like, I don't see why this is a problem. But then by the end of the film, he's like, wait a minute, maybe we shouldn't kill the fish man because everybody thinks that he's a god. Like, he was very logical about why he changed his mind. And I think of all the people in Wakanda... He had his own people he had to protect. Yeah, but like of all the people in Wakanda, I think he was the one that adapts the fastest to what is going on around him. Yes, I do. I like that about him. Go ahead. Yeah, Mbaku seems from from the first film where he's just this very much a almost like a young bull trying to to challenge. We lost you. All. Oh, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Repeat. He's like a young bull. He he's this young bull who's who's directly challenging T'Challa and that whole dynasty almost and stuff. He he both mocks uh, T'Challa and Shuri. And uh, when they come down to uh, to Warrior Falls, to this movie where he's seasoned, he's a little bit more mellowed out. You know, he is taking the world as it is, and just like, and he's completely supportive of Shuri. And like, and so when he's asking you, "What does your heart tell you?" We'll do what you want to do. We'll support you, but these are the consequences. And I'm just voicing that I will not like to see this specific thing because of what it would mean to our people and how it would make our people that much poorer for the world if if they are continuously at war with 
a vastly, uh, at least outnumbered nation, superior people. So, to me, I don't. Does he have not much to do for the most of the film? Sure. And so, if, I, I wouldn't say he's disempowered. Just more of he is going to be that that steady hand for Shuri uh, on the side until he steps in and says, and, and it's it's Shuri saying, you know what, I, I can take on the mantle of Black Panther, but uh, mantle as ruler of Wakanda, probably not, and allows uh, M'Baku to, to step in and, and fill that role as either straight out ruler or regent or however they're structuring it until she is ready. If she but, is ever ready. But the other thing about I think is interesting about Mbaku is that Mbaku isn't ingrained in the whole what Nakia called the whole Black Panther. <laughs> you know, the whole yeah, they, no, the whole what kind of drama, right? Because right. he has philosophical um differences with Wakanda. Yeah, and he does, I, right? They don't and, they and, underplay and me, that, but that was a thing he did, right? And I think it sort of I think it comes up in the film, right? Like he's like, You people will never yep. keep wanting and wanting, right? I'm trying to make a bad situation good here for you people. And 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 she even has tension with that she looks at him with this this ability, like if our people, the elders will forever owe you. So that is something because she had never seen a Jabari until Warrior Fall. The Jabari was a mythical group of people to Shuri until Warrior Fall. It, that, that's what is um, noted in the first film. Mm -hmm. But uh, for me, I, I think that that was what the strength of M'Baku's character was. And, and I think, Jasmine, you pointed out something that, you know, that him and the Jabari and the Wakandans, though they are Wakandan people, have forged something different because they face an existential threat from outer space. Right. Right. And they have been, half of them got snapped away. So I think how he look, his world looks different now. Yeah. And I think, and I saw that sort of development in sort of, you know, what it is, you know, like, because I mean, like the fish man, what is a fish man to Thanos? <laughs> Right, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean. <laughs> Before, right? The fish I love fish that. Fish. I like I, just I run around calling Namor Fishman now. Like right. I really do. I just thought that was so. I that was such a funny thing. thing to have. I would have thought the same thing too. What is a fishman? Yeah, kill the fishman. I don't. This not even a discussion. Exactly. Kill, let's kill the fishman. Yeah, and then he saw the true the true power of right. The, what hmm. the Tolokani. Uh, well, yeah, when he punched him in the chest. Well, he yeah. That he well, that, that knocked the whole shit out of him. He, he yeah. <laughs> but he also <laughs> even stood up to the elders and he was like, what, you think that we're just because we're up here, we don't have books? Like, uh, right. I know who Kukul Khan is and I know that that's a god. And if these people see this man as a god, that's a problem for us. Yeah. Well, I, I'll see how it plays out. I feel like I feel like the trajectory. Work. <laughs> no, no, I don't think the trajectory works for me. But I think because I think what's interesting about it is how you all were able to see his trajectory change, but Shuri wasn't, right? I think that's what's interesting. No, because it's the same thing with the mom. The mom refers you back to who you were in the first one. Okoye, but Shuri wasn't paying attention. Rain. And then Shuri is dealing with him. It. 
And she's like, I see, I remember how you think of me. I don't, I'm not convinced that you think of me any differently than what you originally thought of me. We're projecting a lot of that growth onto him, but she doesn't see that. She doesn't believe that growth or she doesn't experience it, right? I think because she looked down on the Jabari people. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's a lot of it. I think she just didn't care. She didn't care to pay attention. Whereas the audience, we saw it. We saw the look on his face when he faced the aliens. We saw how he changed when some of his people disappeared in front of him. We saw, like, we can see his growth through all of these other films that lead up to this one. Whereas with Shuri, you just kind of assume that she was very, like, uh, oh, mentioned before, she's very insulated. So she was in her bit, in her lab doing her thing. She wasn't paying attention to what was going on, especially with the Jabari. And she doesn't take notes from anyone, right? Because she that's one of the things that's going on between her and Okoye, right? She was just like, as usual, Okoye has notes. And then Okoye had to say, girl, this is the field. This is not one of your labs. You don't mm-hmm. control anything out here. And also, I think why I think, for me, the connection between why I understood why um, T'Challa would tell um, Mbaka to talk to Shuri, even if she might listen, she he is the only one who isn't going to have the reverence of talking to the princess. The, all of the others would respect their station mm-hmm. in life within Wakanda. And I think M'Baku is the only person who sees they don't have that sort of a system, I think. M'Baku is that drunk uncle that comes to every event that just says whatever he wants to say, and everybody's just like, oh God, here we go. But, but he got his own <laughs> money, though. He's a foolish <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know He's like, oh, y'all don't want to fuck with me? All right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I still come to the gathering. Well, I still, I, I, totally need, I, I still need power relations in in Wakanda. I think that's what I need. I need but he's like not I need, in Wakanda though. <laughs> I know, but he is. He is. I mean, he's not. He's not in the Wakanda city, but they come to his people. I'm just saying, I need power relations among the tribes. You know, we 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 forgive a lot about what goes on politically within Wakanda because we're always dealing with the external politics. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. But I think there's some interesting dynamics internal to Wakanda itself. About how it even, because I was like, why not have Mbaku have take the heart shape herb? Why does he got it? Was it? Is it because of the lineage? He obviously is the most naturally strong. You may as well enhance his powers. Well, before, those were things I was thinking. <laughs> but before Shuri, you know, synthesized the new one. Yep, it was all gone. Yep. It was all gone. But but they but but they are looking for, and the other thing is that they were talking about having a black panther even though they didn't have the heart shape herb yeah yeah exactly and and but the also there was a thing that uh because mbaku i don't know if mbaku would have even taken the heart shape herb if it were available because Probably that's not. not something he likes right because that's when when he was kicking to child's ass he was just like no 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 powers no claws no flowers and he said that, yeah yeah this you know, is like title, yeah <laughs> no title exactly i'm gonna show you he's just a boy yeah like, how old is mbaku by the way i don't know <laughs> some of these people are so ageless in this I'm, movie I'm, I'm, like... I'm getting a little bit before 40s <laughs> i don't think he's that old i, I would definitely uh, say yeah, he's old. probably like 29 to 32 so so let so there's obviously been some critical rejection of Wakanda. What have you, what have you all read? Do you think any of those are valid? What do you think is at the source of some of that rejection? Let me just say that I did not recognize, didn't realize how this movie inspired jealousy for people. 
and some groups of people and some types of persons, I should say. Not okay. just a specific group of How people. could you mm. not? No, 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 no. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, let me finish. <laughs> I mean, the movie wasn't pushing some... The movie didn't push a message, right? Like in most... I mean, not to movies. us. It, it wasn't pushing a message, right? It was just a movie. Like in the first movie. Because I have a friend who's Hispanic and uh, Mexican, to be precise. And he said, you know, when Black Panther came out, you know, I felt some kind of way. I don't know, y'all were making a big deal about it, yada, yada, yada. Like, y'all, okay, whatever. And then when I saw, you know, this, and they did this to Maya Tech people, you know, and Maya, whatever, I was just like, yeah, whatever. I was like, girl, like the fuck? Y'all were in Mexico making y'all little movies. And without, but, you know, Tenosh said that, right? Y'all making Scandinavian movies. Now, whose fault is that? That you had your own movie industry and you didn't make something dealing with this before. Like, for however, you know, it didn't have to be a Marvel superhero movie or anything like that. That you didn't pay homage to your past, but you're thinking it is it is the responsibility for other people. So when other people take up their own cause, you're mad about that. Uh, like I, I didn't understand why people were getting so antsy and jealous, because black people wasn't. I mean, Wakanda Forever. At least I let me speak for myself. It's a great movie, Black Panther, and it was you know empowering to see blackness in the side of a screen, in in on screen, in the side of a different way, where black people had complete agency over their life, over their world, over their culture, and everything. And you didn't have as um, Tony Morrison call the white. Um, gaze, gaze mm-hmm. upon it, and I, I, I don't, I don't know why it didn't work for people. I, I, I think those people think because Ryan Coogler got a two for one special here. He made two movies in he one. He made a sequel and an origin. And an origin, and he made, you know, and like I was like, that y'all are mad. It's not my problem that you are mad that someone did something great. You know, that seem a lot of those things are personal. I would say the criticism that I'm hearing, it all seemed to be very personal. And yeah. then it just speak to their Jesus or their counselor about that. And <laughs> it ain't my problem, my Kugler's problem. <laughs> I really. Because none of it stands up to any real weight. You know what I mean? We could debate technical things, perhaps, whatever the case may be. But as a film, this movie needs to be nominated. Uh, I mean, I don't even care I mean, if it's yeah. It won't be. It's going to get nominated for set design. It's going to get nominated for soundtrack. No, it's going to get nominated for score. Get... It's going to get nominated for costume. It's not going to get nominated for any acting awards or best yeah. picture or yeah. best director. That I is. It's not going to get the big ones. On an off chance, maybe Angela Bassett. But um, so Jasmine, you're in, you're embedded in the comic world. What's the critique that you're seeing there? Oh, you probably are too. Like I feel like I'm seeing a lot of fanboy critiques of it. In a very, um, I can't find my way into this story sort of thing yeah that's what i'm saying too is that it's too it's too much for some folks in terms of it's i don't know i just don't see them connecting with it in the same way as they connected with the with black panther and 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 for me it kind of feels like they just don't want to and it's not anything what's the contrast you think because I, i i i you know i saw this with a friend who um, the first night I've seen it four times. I've saw, and the friend we could tell when she 
didn't, she stopped connecting with the movie in the middle of the movie. Hmm. And there was a sense that she wanted to return to Wakanda, but maybe that the Wakanda had changed and what Wakanda represented had changed. And I think maybe there was a, a there was like an inability to unpack what that is. And my thinking at the time when I started to think about it as I looked at the movie and as I was experiencing the movie, I was like, this movie is hitting notes that are going to be difficult. First of all, it's a coming of age story for a young black girl. Let's just center yeah. that, right? Yeah. And the and I mean, I even raised this critique to somebody else in our friend group, and I was like, she's also not a sex pot, which is also yes. very comfortable role for women in this universe to occupy the costumes are tight in a certain way there's a sexual suggestiveness that's what badass action star brings yeah look at what they did with black widow yeah that's what so her first three film appearances she was nothing but a sex bot a sex bot even though she was i mean she was super competent smart all of those things but the thing you are connecting to always is her sex sex potness right um and her competency through sex potness to be honest um so i thought to myself okay those two things are definitely happening here and then i also thought that there was a point and i thought i even said it to a friend i said this movie is actually for us like, this is a story that I think Black and brown people can find their way into Yes. if you let yourself understand what you're getting into, right? Like, if you actually open that door, you can see this sort of, like, exploration of what being Indigenous might mean, what it means to connect to a sort of history that does not have some other gaze. Like, there is no, it's a weird lack of male gazeness in this movie. Yeah. Right. In the way that you traditionally experience that, which is the overt sexiness, the bombs for no good reason, all kinds of stuff like that. It was like, you know, it's not like Top Gun. I watched Top Gun. I loved it, but that made movie made no sense. It was like guns and, and all that stuff. Yeah, so, but the people go see Top Gun because they want to see shirtless guys on the beach fight and then in fighter and planes. I, yeah, and I love all of that stuff. That stuff is going on. That's all part of the action thing, right? But it was really interesting to watch that. And I was like, oh, I, I, when I left the theater, I was like, I don't know if this movie is going to play for certain audiences because I think it doesn't hit the tropes. It has its own tropes, I'm sure. But it doesn't hit the tropes that you're used to hitting in this world. Yeah, and I was curious about that reception. Yeah, definitely not formulaic. So it, it, it already throws those people who are looking for those certain beats. Yep. And Marvel movie, through a loop. It, yes. It, it also, if people have their own expectations of what they want out of this film, it diverts all of those. Because it's these, these uh, twists that are, you know, at least reels can, is clairvoyant to know <laughs> what's coming. But, you know, for, at least for me, I, I was, if I had expectations, I would it would have been completely different from what we got. And so unless you're willing to lay down those expectations and put aside uh, what you want out of this film and just receive what's given to you and then commune with that experience, then then yeah, it, it might be disappointing. It might and stuff, but of course, technically is it perfect? No, of course, no film is. But you know, as far as narrative wise, as far as what story they told. I I have no qualms about it. And I was fine with the film. And and it probably uh would have been totally happy if even if they didn't give us that little uh bump at the end of you know of young Prince T'Challa. Uh but I mean listen it was blackity black. Let's yeah. uh, really it was it was blackity black and brown any brown. Can, yeah. can I <laughs> 
so when I watched it, the first thought I had after that opening sequence, and I was already bawling at the opening sequence, <laughs> just the, the cold open of T'Challa dying yeah. off screen, yeah. like that was the only possible way they could have dealt with that, and they did it so well. Um, but like from that moment on, I was like, oh god, the fanboys are gonna hate this movie. And that's that's exact like that's what I took with me for the next two and a half hours is the fanboys are gonna hate this movie. A, it's a female-led cast. Period. There there are there are men in this film, but but like no, not this one. No, this is this is a this is a female-led film. Period. All of the men, even Namor, they're all secondary or tertiary characters. Um, so that was gonna be a problem. Another problem was gonna be that funeral sequence, like if you have never been to a funeral in New Orleans, if you have never been to like a Caribbean funeral, like if you have never been to an ethnic funeral, you have no idea how to relate to that sequence. You know what I mean? Like, I think that that, that is the kind of stuff that like you said, it was for us. Um, and I think that was another thing I was like, people aren't going to like this. And the fact that it is not a superhero movie, like it is, yes, it is called Black Panther Wakanda Fabric. It is not a superhero film. The, the fanboys aren't going to like that. And to be completely blunt, I told myself before this movie came out, I was like, I don't give a shit about what white people think about this movie. I don't. So I have not read anything from white writers. I have not watched any videos from even all for my own podcast, like all of the, the white podcast friends that I have. I have not listened to any of their reviews because I don't give a shit what they think about this film. And I even told my co-host before we recorded our episode, I was like, did you like this movie? And he was like, oh my God, I loved it. I was like, okay, because if you told me that you didn't like this movie, I would tell you that we are not doing this episode like because I don't want to talk to you like if if that's how you feel. So I have just completely blocked myself off wow. from, from other people's opinions because I don't give a shit. Like Pretty none of that matters to me because I enjoyed this movie so much for what it was. And, and, and some of the critiques I've seen, and I kind of, when jazz at least i give them a chance so so i'll start i know you did oh i know you did <laughs> before you block them right <laughs> no. they were I, trying I to get that soft block i don't pre-block the podcasters but i would like watch a few minutes and stuff and then they would get into me like uh well this is too much for me and i'm like uh, i don't it doesn't matter it doesn't matter you know if if they spent too much time on riri or they, they spent too much time on whoever that you just didn't like and you wanted more of this, stuff like that. That's your own personal hangups. And I don't think that has any reflection on the quality or my own experience with the movie. So uh yeah, I'm I'm like with I'm with uh Yaz on it. I just I just do, do not care. And it's just kind of if they the only thing that I, that's kind of permeated through even through the blocks is is the recast T'Challa movement. And I just for me the bumper at the end watching it i was just like okay they really can't be mad now and then they were still mad and it's just like okay it's not about anything that kugler like said, and they company could have done it's their just problems they is didn't jesus want they need the christ our counselor <laughs> ain't nothing well, kugler could do no, well you know what I, mean, I i don't think it's about that, that i mean you're right but i do think there is something to be said for like the failure of imagination and you know i talk about this all the time reels and i talk about this like what does it mean when a movie does not center you how do you find your way into it and you know that's a concept that i've never been able to relate to because i've always had to imagine myself in these roles you know what i mean like 
I have yep. been reading science fiction and all kinds of crazy stuff since I was a kid. I always imagined myself in outer space. I always imagined myself in like these futuristic things. I had to be the one to put myself into these situations and not rely on the words on the page to tell yep. me that I could be in these situations. So the fact that all of these other viewers are so fucking lazy that they can't even imagine what it would be like if they just replace a character with themselves because it's like, but they don't look like me. Okay. But one like, of these days, one of these days, I am going to write a paper. In this paper, I will discuss <laughs> the power of mythology <laughs> for white people and patriarchy. Because, I mean, I don't understand it. There, are, there is a man with some chicken wings on his foot. Okay, <laughs> Superman <laughs> is shooting beams. Is an illegal alien. No, people always forget time. that illegal alien part, though. And I, I have to say, like, I don't know where I'm. We're going into deep six, deep space nine. Like, I don't understand where the things that I'm. A lot of things that I would want is not just going to be there, right? I have to expand my imagination. But but you see this thing falling apart. Like look at what happened with with the the Lord of the Rings show on Amazon. What happened with when they cast black Targaryens or black like in in this House of Dragons? It's just like but, all of a sudden you have a problem. You didn't have a problem with dragons before. You didn't have a problem with elves before. But now that we have black elves, oh god, it's too far. That's too far. But but but, but this is the part. So so this is why I I think we need to like stop. I wish we would get some criticism. We would just be like, yeah, that's some fuckery and that's not even legit. Like, just push that aside. You may, you will have your right to an opinion, but we have the right to pretend that that's not even a real thing coming. Because I, I have to say, when it comes to this, what I imagine as we're discussing this, and I think for people who are uncomfortable with this movie, right? You cannot like it because you might not just like the movie, right? There are some movies I just don't get into, right? You know, You know, I have a rule about certain movies I don't watch but i have to say i think with the first black panther came out it became for people other people it became this thing to mock and mimic black people in their minds and in secret societies right they were doing that look at them going on whatever kind of forever whatever the case may be right and it all seemed to be a gimmick for them even when they watch the movie and give give ryan give marvel their money they were able to break it down into like some kind of comic element but here are two things that are happening here. One, this was this man moved this. You forget that this was a whole fictitious world now. These were genuine, real people going through real people things. And you had to give these people agency, space, and everything. You couldn't trivialize any of these characters. None of the characters could be trivialized. Even in Baku, you know, everybody had a humanity, had a soul, had a had an agency, they had a complete character. I think the other part, I think, for them that they had to sort of confront with is their own issues with, with grief, that they didn't know how to deal with those kind of emotions. And I think also they couldn't, they, they can't re reduce any of these people to like comic beings, right? They just had to, they had to sit with this movie as a real experience, as a real movie. And do they, do they really want to contend with with, with what that means for them and themselves and their other superhero movies. Because to say this movie is great, they got to go back and say all of their other bullshit has been trash. Which, you know, I can spend hours discussing how all of those movies don't even work within their own world. 
just the inconsistent with half of those movies. Jasmine, you talk about Toad Dark World being the worst Marvel movie. Girl, if I want to, you and I need to have a conversation about Avengers um, Endgame and Infinity War. But, you know, I ain't trying to start no new war here. Like a lot of those movies. But, you know, what I'm saying, and I think, and just to, I would just add by saying this, I think some of them are in their feelings because this was when work showed up for you. This was when your work showed up for you. Some of these people are dealing with the, the grievances that they put a lot into their jobs. And when they drop down dead, their job, just replace them right away. They were forgotten. But here was a here was a eulogy. Here was an, for mm. a man. They just knew Chadwick at work. Chadwick is not their cousin. <laughs> He's not their brother. But everyone, even the people who didn't even know Chadwick, they knew cast members. They were like, we felt that. We wanted to honor that. We understood what was happening here, the special things happening here. And I, I would say that how you know when you have a really great piece of art and work at hand is when the people who are involved in it have nothing but good things to say. And yeah, like and they, that cast, the new cast, fit in really well. And they even commented on how welcome they felt, even though they did not have that first experience with Black Panther, the Black Panther film the first time. And as far as I'm aware, Ryan did not expose his penis to anyone. He mm -hmm. was It was a safe and fair workplace i don't know why people are getting paid so i think a lot of people are up in their feelings about things that has nothing to do with this movie none of them have i've seen no criticism that is actually engaging with what is happening and on the screen none of it so i'm just going to tell these people you know see jesus on the next way out i'll call your counselor do you do you <laughs> think that they need to see jesus too andrew like what are your thoughts on these people <laughs> Well, you know, I was thinking about it. You know, I don't remember. Somebody said that Obama's president presidency was like a Rorschach test, or like you know when you put on or um, when you when you spray like a crime scene to see if there's evidence of blood, mm -hmm. and you turn on the light and then you see all the blood. That Obama was like that for so many people, right? Like his presidency was like this thing that revealed things inside of people. Mm -hmm. And I've just been really thinking about, I've been thinking about myths. I've been thinking about comic books. And I've been thinking about how challenging it has been for Black people, people and people of color generally to enter this world right? Like, let's talk about what happened to Star Wars. Let's talk about all that stuff. And I just keep asking myself, what is the fantasy that is playing out in people's minds that the presence of Black people and people of color, <laughs> what does that do? What does that interrupt for you? I'm trying to understand that. You know what I mean? Like, what is that? What is that? You know, it's like you're about to have a good time and then, oops, a black presence on screen. What is they, what is they over exaggerate and what they what they make it mean is that if there's more of them, there's less of me. Something is happening, right? Because there's a future there's a world in which they're imagining something going on in that world that the presence of black people interrupts that for them. Mm -hmm. That seems to be the thing that happens, right? Like I was going along having a great time and I was and so dreaming this of this mythical world, right? <laughs> but 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 they have and and like record scratch. Do you know what I mean? Like that's literally yeah. what happens. And I think that's why I find it I don't I don't yeah listen I don't really get it but I'm always trying to figure out what is the 
in what is the engagement that's happening emotionally so much that when black people show up it trips you up so much that you throw the whole thing out this is a thing you've loved when there's no reverence to um white patriarchy not even, not even, not even, no, not even. they don't like it when when the when the black people are not comedic relief like we can yeah. have things like friday that's fine people love yeah. the movie friday that's great we can be we can have stuff like power people love black people as gangsters that's totally fine we can do that people love black people as rappers that's totally fine we can do that but we can't just be normal we can't, also, we can't just be, but they are existing but all of those examples that you provided are existing within the white world right those characters no, but, I'm even, but i'm even yeah but i'm actually just talking about let's just even just continue the the mcu the marvel all of that world it's so because wakanda defies all of their expectations people are so used to seeing poor destitute african nations like people are so just like they group black people together that so many people just think africa is a country you know what I mean? Like well, it is. I it is just one entity. It is not this individualized place with fifty some odd different countries that represent fifty some odd different types well, of people. But but it's also in in this particular movie, it's it's black and brown folks discussing the fate of the world, and white folks are not in the room. No, nope, but also they're it's not, them and they're not engaging with white patriarchy. Either. But also, it's also. But that's I thought that's what's interesting about Ryan Coogler, right? And that's why I was saying, like V and I talked, my sister and I talked about it, how we had to adjust to some of the movie making choices because it is different. And this is what I'm the thing, this is what I'm saying, like, it's interesting to me to see how a director like this navigates this universe, right? Because there's a, we've had conversations about what happens with superheroes, right? There's a kind of supremacy around superhero narratives, right? Mm -hmm. And like, this is actually trying to push against that. And at some point in time, it has to either be fully confronted or it has to be sublimated. Right? Like, it's like you've got two magical worlds that were well painted, two well thought out, well crafted, well shaped, non or decolonized worlds, not even decolonized, non colonized worlds, right? Where the characters are set on maintaining who they are, protecting themselves, protecting their resources, and deciding who the villain is. I mean, that opening sequence with France was completely fascinating. When mm -hmm. you think about the end with Toussaint as the son, the um, choosing to place the that son in Haiti, as they mm -hmm. call it, not Haiti, and what that means, and what the French have done to Haiti and what everyone else does to Haiti, right? So it's like, these are not accidents, right? Like, what are those things calling to in the narrative? It's just really, really strong for me. And I was really thinking about that. And I was like, what does this world look like if it is allowed to unfold and actually have to confront who the villains really are in these places and what the actual villainy is? <laughs> you know, like that scene between Shuri and no more when she says, our people are enslaved for our resources. What are we going to do about that? And let's be honest, you had to sit there with that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, well, <laughs> let's talk about it. What are you guys going to do? <laughs> you know, I mean, I think in, it's that's what I find so interesting about, in uh, like, this Ryan Coogler Wakanda world and this Nemour that he's just this characterization that he's just crafted and shaped for us. Because what if you do racialize this world? What who fights whom? What are those battles? What are the battlegrounds? Like 
you know, I mean, to your point, Jasmine, it's probably going to be mutant versus humans. But and that's why I said that's the only way it can go because you can't you can't racialize it. You right? lose your entire audience if you do that. Exactly. But this well, is leave happens, right? Not in this it, world, it, but it, this it, is it, the well, thing that's been introduced in this corner. In well, this not, corner, right? Sorry, go ahead. Well, well not not on this big screen, but you know, there's some racialization in Falcon and Winter Soldier, even though it has its own problems and whatnot, but you know, many problems. Not its own. It has many problems. Many problems. But going forward, you know, as Coogler is moving more to a producer uh, yep. role on things, and there's more Wakanda building and expansion in Wakanda world coming through Disney Plus and uh, other kind of mediums. So it'll be interesting to see if if they tackle those those things in the the smaller mediums rather than the the largest. Probably the largest. But but sure. doesn't um but doesn't Wakanda and um Tola have special problems because the fact that their superhero, the leader, is actually a political figure as well. Well, he yeah, just that's what's interesting. Individual, too. you know, Iron Man only has yep. to deal with Iron Man issues. You know, like yep. Thor, <laughs> um, has run from the throne. As many times as possible, right? As many times he's fighting with local. Like you can't do this unless you can't do this when you have people depending on you. Exactly. Which mm-hmm. Baku points out again. I can. I cannot have my. Pe- I do not want eternal war. To, in, eternal war, which is what you know. And, and I think that to me, that sequence, which is playing backwards, the the flooding of Wakanda, I think is what is interesting because there is always that moment in all conflicts mm-hmm. right where you yeah. could have stopped where you could have been like okay cut this let let us not continue but we're choosing and and I and I'm watching that movie thinking of the the struggle that we're having with the Ukraine when in Iran in Palestine it's just like people are literally every day choosing to continue this shit uh-huh. Just continue, yep. just continue, and 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 what this is doing, because again, Shuri and and Namor are having this discussion, right? I don't know what she thought was going to happen when she go, which because she she did the thing, right? She was just like, I cannot beat this man hand to hand. I have to level. I can't just level the playing field. I have to bring this man way down, right? She took him mm-hmm. to the desert. She dried him out. She moved him from water. She cut off a wing. Cut off a wing. He can't even fly anyway. She was she she was capable of killing him, right? She dried him out. Wrote, she barbecued Namor. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Namor got barbecued. Okay, Namor was barbecuing. Just like Lord Jesus, it's a fire. And <laughs> like, what was I do not know because. Strategically, and everyone is talking about like she can't beat Namor. She didn't intend to beat Namor. She, no, she had one she, thing it's, to it's, kill it's, him, and they were gonna run back. And look, Wakanda couldn't deal with. Did you see the amount of uh, Tolokan warriors was coming out? I know that was that, coming from the bottom. No, it was her plus technology, right? It's like vibranium plus the technology, the the the, the tools, the science, the, the yeah, science. the science, the toolkit. I mean, her toolbox is full. <laughs> she, she His was, is probably she felt as well. She needed two midnight angels, sweetie. <laughs> you needed a whole fucking army. I was, I was like, like, y'all made two suits. <laughs> those ma- suits in mass production, please. No, <laughs> you needed you needed a sweatshop. 
Girl, yeah. look. So some, you needed to be sewing some midnight angel bullshit, girl. You needed everybody. Okay, so my point is, when I raise these questions, I think that is what the insertion of people of color and Black people, and I say and because I know Black people includes people of color, but I'm really specific because I do think it matters. I think when Black people enter these spaces, I think it draws out the inherent dishonesty in those spaces. I think it it, it, it it immediately draws you into this recognition that you are actually maybe not the superhero, that you may very well be the villain. Because this is a narrative structure that only lives to bring you up, nobody else. I really do. I think that's actually why the presence of people of color mm. interrupts the fantasy. It interrupts I, the fantasy of your goodness. It interrupts the fantasy of your inherent innocence. And you actually are thrown for a loop in your storytelling, which but, is why you have to confront it. You have to con- remember these people didn't realize. Have you noticed people who are Star Wars people don't understand when they are with the dark side? Oh, they all are. They are all part of the Empire. You know what I mean? We are the Empire. You know what I mean? (laughs) Anyway, that's my pet theory. My pet theory is that the press, it's like when you put a woman in a space, you kind of realize, wait a minute, wait, are we all sexual? What are we doing here? What have we been doing? I do think that that happens. (laughs) You know, and this is completely unrelated, but like when, when I interact with a lot of the other podcasts that we partake in a lot of times those guys have no qualms talking about like you know stuff that's not suitable for work or stuff that's r-rated or stuff that is like you know has a censored comic book covers yet i get pushback when i talk about the bl that i read and it's like wait a minute you guys can talk about sweet paprika you can talk about all of these other things that you're reading but i can't talk to you about the gay porn that i'm reading like now it's a problem like you guys can talk about all of that stuff but now that i'm a woman in this space i can't talk about it i have to just talk about harley quinn and nothing else like <laughs> this is, but you know this is the thing that i find so interesting anyway, because yep. this is this happens in literature all the time right yeah this idea that you know somehow i in, in artwork right like i i, I have this <laughs> the friend of mine we talk about this all the time and he's very just like I, I hear you have this argument all the time. Ever since I've been in every literature class, I've been saying, I'm just like, I don't know why this writer is doing all of this shit because you know who's going to get this message? Who already had the message. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> He's not changing hearts and minds because I have seen people watch, and one of the things I'm not even always a big fan of anime for people people trying to project all of this shit onto anime. I'm just like, Shit, I just like people blowing up stuff. Okay? Sure, That's sure. It's mm-hmm. just one of those action ever so often. What I find that you people are, what I what I think is so crazy is that you people will get all of the the, the integralness of Star Wars and you know Evangelia and all of this other crazy shit. But ask y'all to see the see the comp- the, the issue that is in the news right now. Y'all are missed. You cannot tell me. What is happening? You can't even draw those parallels. You can't even see that most of what you are actually reading or enjoying is that the author is actually a student of history. Is actually already involved. But I, I, I don't know if these things matter in the end. 
They can't. They don't look at that though. You can you can look within the MCU itself. You look oh, at the yeah, films yeah. like any of the Captain America films. None of these guys see Captain America as a political figure. And yeah, I'm like, and Jesus Christ, how could you not? Exactly. Like, He's running around in a flag. But this, yes. is why, but this is why I love this is why I love Chris Evans because I I absolutely love everything that he represents the dimness the bravado the innocence the blonde hair all of that is entirely political but presented as apolitical exactly and, and that's what's so and but that's what's so have, funny. But you see, this, this is why i don't like i love it no but i like, love it because, because it's i'm like, like bitch you like gotta do heavy lifting no no because that's what i'm saying no they're not interested in doing any heavy lifting no, the heavy lifting comes when you insert people of color in it yes exactly then, then the lift becomes harder then it's like you can't escape into the winter soldier anymore. and falcon or whatever that means yes i was just gonna say like yeah, everybody is fine with chris evans as captain america but god forbid a black man become captain america now you're just making a political statement because, and it's like wait a minute captain america has been fucking political since we were fighting nazis in the first film when he got injected by some shit from the American government so that he could be bigger and stronger. The fuck you mean it's not political? It's been political the whole fucking time. Us. But it's political now because the action is being done by someone who doesn't have permission to do the action. And yes. suddenly you really mm -hmm. recognize the schism there. Your body gets uncomfortable, which is, it's so funny. I'll always remember NPR was talking was talking to a family after Obama was it was upon Obama's um end of his term and somebody said oh my gosh I just felt like he was always talking about race Obama always this is this is what they said and I remember this person I remember the reporter said you know these folks got up and watched a black family every day and that did something in their orientation they felt like race was the topic and it's because they were watching a black family every day so and it has to be aroused race. It was, it was a, it was a, you know what I mean? Like he yeah. didn't have to mention it, but it was just the presence of this black family in a totally normalized space, right? Eat, eat, you know, Thanksgiving dinner, forgiving the turkey, all of that kind of stuff, all the things you've used to seeing from any other president, but somehow or another, the person just living out their lives felt like some sort of political act. And I think it's really fascinating when you insert black people in spaces that are seen to be neutral spaces and how suddenly everything that black person does has got heightened power to it mm -hmm. totally heightened power and i think when you watched wakanda and you talked you have these two indigenous groups talking about their struggles and their challenges around navigating the future because you as an audience knows the white world is going to come for them Mm -hmm. like you have to understand that, right? Like it suddenly strikes you in watching it that there's no way this is going to play out in, in any other way but this thing, right? It's like, it's the hidden secret that other movies deny, but you're watching it play out on screen and you know exactly how this is going to go, right? I just, I just think that that's what is disc discombobulating about these films and about these movies and about Black people being inserted in spaces because it throws off your fantasy. It throws off your neutrality. It, but I don't. But you see, it, it's not a fantasy scene because they—they're not just. I don't because to me, what, in my paper I will address it. <laughs> these, these people are drawing some kind of powers. 
Because I'm like, what do you mean they're drawing some kind of powers? What does that mean? They're to me, they're holding on to these things as if it's almost mere religion, as if it's religion, and there is power. But it is religion. But it is religion. Because I'm like, sir, you're down here. You're out here fighting about a mermaid. Is that what you? Yeah, but that's the thing, right? Like they 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 get yes, they get so upset about these things, and then they're like, but it's not realistic, like. The dude has fucking wings on his ankles. Don't come to me talking about no realistic bullshit. But it's realistic about because it's about who has power. It is, of course, okay for a person who looks like me to have the power of winged feet. But you having winged feet, now that's a different thing entirely. I mean, it does really make logical sense if you recognize that the world is entirely organized in such a way where I am the center. And anything that happens to me, whether I'm wearing wings or not wings or I can fly... 2000 miles an hour that's why i think when you try to like have a logical argument as a response it doesn't really work because it's not really about logic it's about no. like it's about the id right it's about this feeling of like disenchantment that is not logical it really isn't and i don't know how we actually have that conversation because you trying to have a trying to respond with logic is not what it's about it's like trying to talk about religion using logic it's not that there is something going on there and it's a feeling. And I could tell because some of the people who I hear can't even name the feeling. They can't even name the feeling of what makes them uncomfortable with what they've just watched. I don't know. Like, I mean, that's just what I've been observing with it. I'm like, it can't be named. It's not the feeling isn't being named. It's I'm not there. I can't find my way in here. I don't know how to enter this space. I don't know, <laughs> but, but but maybe it's a them a, a level of arrogance because it's like it's not my story. It's like it's like somebody. It's like a girl Honey, telling they said, me they put Tom Cruise in a movie about a Japanese warrior. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I get, but but this, but this is like it's just a, forgive me for being this crap. It's like a woman telling me about you know a movie about menstruation. And then I'm there, like, why am I not involved in this? Where is the, the, <laughs> That's you know true. what I mean? It's like, it's like, but this has not, it's not you know, for you. Because not everything someone, has to be about, but you woman, or, exactly. Yeah. The woman telling me a story about menstruation is her telling me a story that has nothing for to me, do with me. And for me to learn, <laughs> yeah. the point of telling the point of ever listening to a story or reading a story isn't always to interject yourself in there, it is to be like. I read a story, I like this. It should be like, I am learning. And then, upon seeing this, I'll get in your fascination or your hook and be like, oh, can I be here? How do I fit in? But it seems to me, these people don't just want to just fit in. They want to be like, how do I get to conquer? Mm -hmm. How do I see myself as the person in charge here? It's like, I I, I mean, again, perhaps as Jasmine says, you know, perhaps because and maybe because we're black and because, you know, like, we always have to put ourselves into these spaces and whatever. Maybe we just don't, we've understood this, this is the nature. Yeah, of I think it's inherent. Fantasy. We have to, like we, we, have to. we cannot get as far as we have all gotten. We, we don't get to be as old as we are without having learned this skill at a very young age, because I'm sure at some point, all of us were the only in the room. I don't know. Like I said, these people are a little too wild for me because I'm just like, I'm hearing y'all talking, but this seems this doesn't seem like a problem to me. Well, Listen, that's why I said I told you I didn't care about anybody else's opinion. Like I just because 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 listen, to me they're fighting for 
listen, it's not a problem unless it connects with resources and your capacity to continue to tell these stories. And as you've seen with what's been happening to a lot of creatives in the last cycles of many small screens, it, it will have an impact on their capacity to tell stories. So, but look at but look at all the guys that shat on Miss Marvel because yeah. we get a story about a Pakistani American kid that yeah. is told by Pakistani American writers, directors, like we would not have gotten a nuanced story about the breakup of India and Pakistan without someone who had ties to that event. No white guy could tell that story the way that we got that story. But like, they don't see it that way. All they see is a Muslim kid, a Muslim woman, excuse me. And they're like, no, this is not, this is not relatable. This is unrealistic. It's not for me. But I but think it's a what? big deal, though. It's a big deal if you feel like this is not for you. And I, I'm not saying that it doesn't matter. I just think you're, the, la the failure of your imagination is a really big challenge. You know what's not for me? Shit like Pineapple Express. Like when I, <laughs> when I saw that movie, I was like, oh, no, this ain't, this ain't for me. Like that, uh, That's the yeah. kind of film where you can say this is not for me. <laughs> Let me just fair, say, you know, fair, in an effort fair. to sort of wrap up pretty soon because yes. we're yep. well over two hours. Let Thank me you. just say that for, for those people um, that you're not, you don't feel that you're getting and whatever the case may be, that is okay. It is time for you to learn that exercise, okay? You can't be part of everything. Everything isn't for you and everything, you're not for everything. It's not and, and, and that is something you just have to learn and just accept. Yes, and, and that doesn't I'm make hoping. that thing bad. It doesn't make that's that thing the bad. Thing. That's the thing. That's like yeah. And I am hoping that you know, and you know, maybe you will you will get mad at this point, people. But <laughs> let me just say, this when I see things like Black Panther, I am hoping that my dream will come true, where we stop letting white people make any kind of movies, just for a hundred years. For one hundred years, white people can even make a movie postcard. And just let everyone else have their part at the movie industry. And let's see what happens. Because for 100 years, people have all... And this is just the thing. Even these creatives of color and from wherever, they all pay homage to you people, to, to, to white cinema, don't they? <laughs> like, they, they're, they're, most of their um, people that they praise, you know, they've had to learn the craft from those people. So... Yeah, I can't even accept that. So I don't want to tell you people. So, you know, keep working yourself out of a job, people. Y'all should just say thank you, you know, and just move on and see what you can do to help this project move forward. But anyway. Or just last, stay mad. Uh, well, well, you know well, they won't stay mad anyway. Well, stay mad. <laughs> well, well, let's let's give oh an opportunity to close. Oh. You 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 you've been quiet during this segment. I want to make sure. No, 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 no. I I, I, I <laughs> everything that's been said and stuff and uh um uh, you know this movie was quite the experience for me uh i it it's sep it has separated itself from the entire mcu mm. so i view it differently than all the other movies and stuff so for that uh i don't even put it in within the rankings of it is if it's better or worse than uh the even the first black panther it, it, it does, it's not about that and so so for me, for them to land a plane, uh, as I started out with, it's just, uh, you know, shame on everyone who who, could, who doubted <laughs> Ryan Coogler 
And, 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 <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> and, and and Kevin Feige uh, in, in in trying to navigate the the tough uh, circumstances that they had uh, had to deal with and whatnot. And uh, I am excited for more Wakanda. So whatever I got to do <laughs> to get to 2025, 2026, whatever. <laughs> You want another podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I'll make it through and stuff, you know, through yeah. COVID and through any, through flu, whatever I got to do. T'Challa's son to take the throne. Let us, all, all I <laughs> hope is that we, we're not enjoying it through another Trump administration. <laughs> oh, so, you know, let's, let's, let's all pray the best right now. <laughs> right. And glory <laughs> to Anu, man. Oh. Um, <laughs> let, we would be remiss in the, in the, the close-up to talking about the fashion. Oh, the fashion. Okoya looked great. Oh my god! Suits, the oh my red god. suits. What are those suits? I've I've been getting bodysuits, but I don't think my bodysuit's gonna look like that. <laughs> no, I don't even think my bodysuit is gonna look like that. So this film out. gives me arm envy. I will tell you that much. I want to go to the gym, and I want me some Angela Bassett shoulders. Like you just don't oh. even understand. Oh. Uh, I want to wear everything, and that's crazy because I mean, like, I don't want to wear dresses, but I mean, <laughs> I just want that moment of coming to a room with everything, just the touches. And I don't know if you may have noticed this, but Angela cut off her locks um, mm-hmm. afterwards. Mm-hmm. I mean, you notice that, but that's one of the things when Rastafarians um, lose someone, usually a major consequential death is they cut off their hair, mm-hmm. and she did that. I was just like, that was a, I mean, the touches, the clothes, the Tola Khan, what Namora and Atuma were wearing. I mean, mm-hmm. Namor coming down from the throne. I was like, sir, I am here yeah. to help you burn anywhere. Yeah. And even though Janina didn't like it, the, the symbol that they used and the fact that yeah. that was actually yeah. part yeah. of history, I thought that was really, really cool that they integrated that into the film. But you know, and 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 listen, that was something that came as they were producing the film. Yeah, the cast, the cast they were brought like, that up. We need something because yeah. we are in this world. And I mean, you ain't gonna tell me shit after I'm being underwater for nine, ten minutes holding my breath. Listen to me, Ryan Cougar, you're gonna deliver the world to me today, okay? But I mean, everything. Um, I I, I just have to mention one of my favorite lines came from Okoye when she says, "Now, why would I have your telephone number?" Yes, <laughs> I know she was so mean. I was like, "Lady, don't be cruel." She's, she's, she's holding that energy. Ah, uh, American. You know, like she, she's holding a that colonizer energy. in chains. <laughs> now I've seen everything. Um, the clothes was Angela amazing. Bassett in that red dress. Yes, the red oh. dress. Oh. No, Angela Bassett entering the halls of power in Europe. Oh my God! The and shoulders, the, the, and shoulders. the shoulders, and the outfit the um the soldiers wore after they were dragging in. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Oh my the God. Green and gold. The, 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 the green gold. Oh my gosh! Angela Bassett in Haiti. She has a head wrap. I was like, she's wearing uh, Lupita. Lupita skin in every shot. Okay. Lupita also, can we talk about how excited she was to finally get to speak Spanish on film? All oh, of it. That, that, is that, that yellow dress. That I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, no, And Lupita the glasses? Like, what is with those glasses? I was like, Lupita, come on Lupita now. Lupita was like, Claro que si. <laughs> <laughs> she was. She was just like, 
And then when homegirl wasn't going, when homegirl wasn't buying this shit, she was just like, let me hit you with the mic. Let me let hit me. you with the mic, okay? So that you know, girl, I ain't leaving here. Yeah, and I mean, then she showed up. Because you know what's funny, right? This is the first time we are seeing Nikia not in green. Yeah, yeah. She's yeah, always yeah. wearing green in most cases. Well, right? because she's part of the river tribe. She's part That's of the river tribe, right. Yeah. But I'm just simply saying that this was a significant event and she was going to wear that yellow and you were going to see. Uh, well, she had her that. green suit when she went into the water, though. But then, she yeah, did. afterwards, she because did. she's back at work, right? Yeah. yeah. She's back at work. Like, <laughs> go back to work. <laughs> she back is like, people. I mean, every, I mean, like, every fit. I, mean, I love the when Okoye world, took off y'all. the blazer Ooh. on the bridge. Mm-mm. I was like, "Yes, yeah." <laughs> I was just like, "Give me that okay, bottom." I like, I like the red suit that Rebu was wearing. It fit her. Oh yes, that was, I was really. Like, look, <laughs> I was like, okay, I got Riri. that two piece. Yeah, I was remembering oh, Jazz. Jazz was just yes. like, "I need me a crop top." I was just like, "Jazz, Jazz I'm gonna get me a crop top." Listen, I did. I went. I went to a festival last weekend wearing a crop top. So uh, I decided I'm about that crop top life. I was no, like, I saw her in that scene. I was like, "That's a sexy look." Like it was just like it was unfussy, but I loved it. I, was I like, did like that they aged her up, though. I, yeah, I really yeah. did appreciate that. Is and she can we talk about? Yeah, in the comics, I think she's 16, 15 okay. or sixteen. Okay. Okay. We need not mention that everybody was lotioned, right? <laughs> Every, we didn't even talk about that. Moisturized. Moist, it was moisturized. But my sister Letitia Wright, okay? In the white, yeah. Letitia oh. Wright. The white outfit was amazing. Oh, but the black and the necklace. Who was doing the hair? Oh, oh my her God. curls look cute. The curls look cute. The oh, badass oh. braids, the, the, the braids. Oh, I'm just telling you. No, Do you know? You know what I love though. I love the the dots and the makeup that she had on yeah, her face. Yeah, because yeah. it reminded me of when I was in South Africa. We had a we got our faces painted that way by um, like traditional kind of. It was like a dance troupe that came and did that. And I was like, I just I love that they pull from so many different cultures in Africa and put them all in Wakanda. Well, did you you notice though, I love when she, after she left the burying the, um, the the heart shaped herb and then she was walking down the, the, um, the corridor, like, like, T'Challa had done in the last Mm -hmm. movie with his nice outfit and she had on that black and that gold necklace. Yeah. Oh, Oh, it was so striking that just the shot. I was like, the necklace is looking good. The neckline looks great. I loved everything. I was like, I want that necklace. What's that necklace? Look, she was about... (laughs) No, she didn't need a business bun, but you know that bitch is our business, right? You know, that was you know she was our business. Listen to me. Like, this is what I'm just simply saying. That, and that know, course, white outfit she wore, which was like total, like super casual, but I really liked it. It was like space, like a space outfit or something. I mean, weird. then I love when that. Namora, I was just outfits. like, Namora, where you getting your outfit from, girl? That's what you give Suri. Suri, I need me. Who's your tailor down there? I need that Taylor. Like, the, green. the green was pretty. And I the song. The song. Talk about, let's talk about the fact that freaking Rihanna gets to have a song play all the way out in a movie because you're waiting for that damn scene at the end. Well, I mean, that now that the amazing. song made Good sense, right? Her. Because everyone was dragging her ass and saying, girl. What's the song? What's the song about? <laughs> because, you know, just, yeah, and know. it's just funny, right? The, and it's just like, really and truly, no one expected though we saw a funeral yeah you know in the promos in the trailers 
no one had any idea about like this was what we were going to get in a movie and then that song came out just like okay the song Everyone... when he was visiting the telecon though that's a beautiful song oh yeah that's a gorgeous song well that's... I need Nemo swim trunks too. Did I mention that? <laughs> Preferably with in, in it. You in could it. go for Nemo. You could do Nemo as a costume. That's a fun little costume I, right bro, there. I say, the hello, I mean, listen to me. Reels, you do have some nice legs. You could definitely pull off a Nemo yeah, look. I'm just saying. Have you, you seen that, that man's hair? <laughs> look, I saw Nakia training, like um, Lupita oh, yeah, training, the, and these people talking about their training. Like it was crazy, and, and it's like it's a minute scene, and she's like, "Yeah, but do you know how many takes they must have?" They didn't know. Day? They didn't know. That was just the thing. Ryan Coogler was. She, they said Ryan was just say, you know, like, do you know how to swim? So everybody was just like, "Okay, well, uh, I'm gonna need to." Yeah, Tanosh was like, "Well, I've never drowned before," oh, and his agent was like, "Yeah, but can you actually swim?" And he Not was just like, "Well, but I've never drowned before." These are the incentives we need to do these things. We need to be able yeah. to cut checks. You know, they were having swimming check. lessons on the on the lot. Listen, uh, right over there. <laughs> so can we talk about look? Um, let me just say, I just knew from the beginning when that bridge scene happened that Wakanda ain't got nothing going on that was going to stop these Tolokan no, people. Tolokan feathers, that because hair. Look, Ooh, that was Okoye striking. got her ass whooped, whooped and she was kicking ass. And I'm just saying, like, she was no slouch, okay? She was like, she relocated she was like, her shoulder. Just she was like, over. Queen Mother, Queen Mother, I took down three of these bitches. And they should have been dead. So they came up. And then she, but she, she kind of conveniently delayed for how a tumor was just like, bitch, um, you're not even worthy of my blade. Okay, like, no, that was, and he talked about the experience about working together with her. That's why I hope that this time around, that this extended version scene of Black Panther will oh, be I'm so much more satisfying. Right, I'm hoping it's far more page. satisfying. Ryan, don't do me wrong because you know, you that was my only critique against Ryan last movie. He didn't you didn't give me have extra. Things. You can give me extra. I hear, I hear there is a director's cut of this though, so it be- I, I, I wanted to listen to me. I want everything. I want, I want. I want you, you want the four and a half hour Snyder cut? No, yes! because there is a scene. There yes! is a scene on the bridge. That. Yeah, I heard that. I heard there's they cut some of, of the scenes. Yeah, there's a, there's a scene on the bridge where Midnight Angel is fighting some people, and we don't get to see that. Yeah. So I like that. listen to me. I want everything. And the everything. little black boy that plays T'Challa's son is gorgeous. That's oh my god, he's so adorable. cute. That smile almost made me want having a child. And oh I'm no, like, not that far. Let's go. Hold on. Pause. Hold on. To stay in Haiti, okay? Because I'm not. Nope. 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 This was an amazing film on a whole. I cannot underscore that much, but saying that this was like the kind of work when you see satisfaction. Um, and I think he even goes beyond that. Um, one of the, the only other director I think who does work like this is Ang Lee, where he gives everyone's perspective. You understand each character very clearly. But I think Ryan goes a step beyond that because for everyone, no matter how short they're on the screen, you see a whole person. And he does this in just few words, which is so un-American. Um, American directors always have people talking. 
but this was an amazing this was great filmmaking and i felt like everyone on that movie set even the people who was frying chicken <laughs> had an input when they were eating food ryan asked how did this food scene go and i mean i mean not a i mean they filmed this on tyler perry um lot and they got every wig right that alone would have been <laughs> That alone would have been enough for me. Goodbye. I mean, like, I mean, everything worked in this movie. And I have to say, like, interesting enough, the only thing that looked dusty and ashy in this film were the white people. I thought Valentina looked on point. I think they look not with that with that two dollar wig. Get out of with her with her purple streak. The party city wig. She I love that. I like I like Valentina. Hey, that was a party city wig. Freedom wasn't looking no slouch either. So, and and I was just simply saying, ain't no way Valentina Ross, you you let me down. Punch that woman in her face. Shoot her because I mean, just like she's in your house, breaking and entering. And the other thing that's just like, uh, ma'am, you can't bugger Kamoya bead. I don't care what y'all trying to tell me. That was the part that was just like, and yeah, that she, was it. Yeah, that was like, yeah, girl, you can't bug that shit. You just can't. You just probably. knew he that was. That doesn't seem logical. Yeah. Yeah, just I just figured she figured something feed. else another yeah. way. You can't bug. Get get out of here. She was bugging the house. <laughs> <laughs> she rebuilt that back. girl. Look. Look, she still has the y'all keys. Y'all can't even boss. detect vibranium. Y'all think y'all could bug that tech? all right that was lovely you all thank you for taking us back to wakanda land are you all seeing it again i know you all have seen it i've seen it three times and i have not seen it amongst a lot of black people so where i wanted to i mean like the first time i saw it you know this people don't bring four-year-olds to movies that is not about (laughs) that's too late don't do that um but um, I've seen it three times already, and I enjoyed it every time. I've seen it twice, and I probably will see it a couple more times. Definitely, in the, at least. And in it, the, it touched me all the right places, you know, all the right places. That was TMI. Oh no, I meant in terms of like it gives me all the feels every time. Oh you know, sure, like, sure. Also, TMI. Oh, hell no, you know. <laughs> Jasmine, I'm not inviting you to our wedding, okay? Tonish and I went. Oh, like, please, come on. Don't leave me no. like that. Don't leave me out like that. And let me just say, Mbaku is still that dude, okay? The thickness is all day. Mbaku is still giving Mbaku. So listen, man, I mean, I'm just I'm just saying, like, I, I'd go visit Talokan. Like <laughs> keep Talokan. Come on. Let me let me in there. Let me let me hang out with y'all for a little bit. Let me just let me see blow, what y'all got going I'm on. I'm blowing a shell and putting it <laughs> out of water. Like, <laughs> I just want to have yeah, a few more. conversations. That's it. Just let me just uh, let me see what's going on. I have on. a box of matches, and I know some places you need to burn. <laughs> hey, hey, I love this one too. So let's go. Apparently, you don't need to. Okay, let me blow in a shell. Let me blow. Let <laughs> also, I've really been digging like all of the press tour footage that's been coming out with uh, Lupita and Tanosh together. Yeah, they've been having a good time. Uh, yeah. Lupita always on that track. Girl, you stick with Killmonger, okay? <laughs> stick with, like, we're not here. We're not here for that. Okay? Listen, you leave her alone and let her hang out with her with her uh, fellow Mexican people. <laughs> she can hang out with Winston Duke. But... <laughs> 
Well, this has been lovely. Thank you all for taking the time and saving saving us all many years later to come back around and revisit yes. Wakanda forever. Staying alive. Thanks Staying for having alive. us. Absolutely. Thank this you all. Oh, love it. Oh my god. Any excuse to be nerdy. I'm I'm always I available. Know, I know. The fans, those who listen to the podcast, I know it seemed like it's gonna be three hours. Plus, it I is. that's the junior. Um, we would love to hear from you. It's as long as the movie, which is <laughs> perfect. Uh, we're longer than the movie at this point. We're, we're about as long as like the trailers and the movie. You can just play us with the movie. Oh, honey, you, yeah. haven't seen, you haven't it seen it in an AMC theater. <laughs> Those trailers listen, are 30, 40 listen, minutes long. I, uh, I used to work for AMC. That was my favorite thing is to put an extra trailer on the reel before and not tell Why? anybody. Wait, 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 wait. This is not predetermined that you, it's like some mini. Oh, you cut them. They're, the only trailer that is attached to the film is usually the same studio. So Ant-Man comes attached to yeah. this film that, because that's the last trailer that plays. Other than that, trailers ship separately. So you as a projectionist, like, of course, you're supposed to put certain things with certain films. But as the projectionist, it's your choice. You Let put whatever trailers you want. Because y'all got me trying to sit down in a movie for 40 minutes before now, the actual listen, movie. Listen, it is Jonathan Major's world. Because before I saw both versions of this film, like, it, it, he was in three of the previews before Wakanda Forever. So <laughs> I'm very excited about this new era of Jonathan Major's. Yeah, well, yeah, he was in, like, that. a billion films. He was in a billion of them. I was like, wait a minute, yes. they're going to be in every film? I mean, okay. like, Everyone, uh-huh. I you mean after watch Michael B. Jordan? I know that's the only oh. downside. Um, I mean, but you could watch it on mute though and still get the same effect. Yeah, I think Michael B. Jordan would be a great silent movie star. <laughs> but anyway, he already is. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, I'm just all righty then. On that I'm note, on that note, am I though? No, I'm not. Thank you all for listening, and we'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to comment, like, and spread the word. We are the best podcast out there. Um, Jasmine is close to second when it comes to this issue. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, on man. This, on she goes these in the she goes Definitely in the check out Geek Unleashed. Yes, Unleashed. please. Thank you. Please check thank out you. Geek And they have a lot of fun things over there going on all the time. And thank you and I don't for coming you. on. You don't have a podcast? Oh, you can show up and just... How can he? He stop blocking everyone. <laughs> if y'all can make it through the blocks, you don't have an audience base. <laughs> How can he build a fan base when everyone's blocked? That I mean, is true. Oh, why do you block everybody? But anyway, love it. But anyway, uh, and for the tennis fans, we will be back at some point. I guess we should have an end of the season we, podcast. We, should, we have to. Oh. I have to go wrangle Janine away from her child doing hockey. <laughs> <laughs> These mothers, I mean, I'm telling you, priorities. I know, so, duties. Enjoy this podcast. I hope you enjoy it. I know you would love it. So go see another Wakanda forever during yeah. the Thanksgiving break. I'm sure. Take care. Yeah. Yes. Just don't come back and argue family. with us. Get away from family. Yes, please do. <laughs> right, bye. bye. See ya. No.